No, 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 no! Coco Talk would like to thank our patrons who sponsor our show each week. So warm gratitude goes to Al Hartman, Alan Huffman, Alan Murphy, Blair Ledoux, Brendan Donahue, Brian Joyce, Brian Weasler, Christina Armstrong, D. Bruce Moore, Davey Mitchell, Diego, Disney Saints fan, Eric Canales, Fedor Stamen, Glenn Hewlett, Grant Leedy, Jason Bucata, Jason Downs, Jenna Farron, Ken Reichert, Kyle Etter, Malfunct, Michael Pitsley, Paul Fiscarelli, Paul Shoemaker, Richard Lorbieski and Voice on Technologies, Rob Inman, Stephen Wagner, Steve Bjork, Terry Steen, Terry Steggy, The Backyard Shed Gang, Tom C., Tom S., and Tim Lindner. Thank you so much, patrons. Coco Talk is an unscripted live broadcast. Anything can and will happen. The views and opinions expressed by members of the panel and the live audience are their own and not necessarily those of the Coco Talk show, its sponsors, affiliates, or subsidiaries. Open minds encourage, sense of humor recommended. If any off color comments were made, we're sorry. Hi, this is Dale Leader, designer of TRS 80 Color Baseball, and you're listening to Coco Talk. This is Coco Talk, the world's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Calore computer. It's time to drop your socks. Grab your real-time clocks, and let's rock. Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world, keeping the tandy flame alive. We may be mocked, but we'll never stop, because Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to everyone's favorite talk show, Cover Talk. We're here with episode 168. We're going to talk about our favorite system, the Commodore Pet. So fasten your seatbelts and get ready for some 6502 awesomeness. All right, good afternoon. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to Commodore Pet Talk, where we celebrate the 6502, the greatest processor ever invented in the history of micro technology. Commodore Pet, <laughs> Commodore Pet, Commodore Pet. Commodore Pet. I almost bought one of those. Ooh, yeah. Basic, baby. Because I yeah. just love poking everything into memory. Absolutely. Oh. Oh. And we just yeah, been Pet have a 6809 upgrade, I think. Uh, yeah, yeah. Actually, actually the Commodore Pet. Actually, Commodore Pet had better basic than the 64 and the VIC-20. I mean, Commodore wimped out, cheaped out, and uh, anyway. <laughs> All right, man. But we digest. I don't want a computer that needs rust-proofing. <laughs> <laughs> well, the keyboard was the size of a postcard. Well, so what was that? The great thing was, it was real easy to check under the hood. It had the actual yeah, hinge that you could nine. lift up the hood and see if you needed to, you know, manipulate your spark plugs or anything else in there. So, um, <laughs> That's when you had the like old 3A terminals, yep. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Commodore Pet Talk, everybody. We've got an exciting show for you. We've got a great panel today. We have a man who can see into the future, our Apple guy, Mark D. Overholzer. Welcome, Mark. 
We've got our backup streamer, a guy who is committed to not blue screen if he can help it. Mark Bosley's with us. Hello, Mark. Hello. From down under, a guy who likes to say crikey, David O'Connor's with us. Hello, David. Crikey, that's a good idea. All How right. are you doing, everyone? From the great white north in old Canada, it's L. Curtis Boyle. How's it good going, day. Curtis? We got a guy who likes uh, switches almost as much as Jason does. Rick Eulens with us. Hey, Rick. How do? All right. It's always sunny in Arizona, and he's always a happy guy. Rondelvo. It's W Rondelvo. W. That's Waron Delvo. No, it's Wallace Ronald is my name. All right. Oh, I feel like I don't know you anymore. I should be W. Whatever your name is, you've been a fraud this whole time. Or Holly. Rondo Deluxo. And no. don't get me started on the Patrick versus Rick debacle either. That's, another <laughs> That's coming. <laughs> we got a guy who gets things on eBay and makes us all jealous. Brian Weezer's with us. Hello, Brian. Hello. Welcome to the show. We have a man whose name is so nice. We must say it thrice. We're talking about none other than Nick Marona. How you doing there, Nick? Oh, I'm doing great. <laughs> How are you guys doing? Uh, we're doing fantastically. The originator of the phrase. Stop right there. Jason, the Coco Man Riker is with us. Hello, Jason. Oh, hello, Stevies. Everyone excited. I've got my beverage. Gonna <laughs> <laughs> have a great show. Oh, I know Woo. we will. We will. Is your greasel? Is your weasel greased? <laughs> it's all greased up and ready to go, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> Fantabulous. The music man, Brian Shubring, is with us. He's muted, but he's here. Looks like he's performing surgery. Brian, how's the patient? Oh, how do I sound? Uh, oh, you sound wonderful. You sound like uh, like you sound like Nick Marota does sometimes. He comes in chipmunky when he joins us. Alvin, like a chipmunk on That's it. <laughs> That was Nick during his Tiger Beat uh, cover story. He was just hitting puberty at that time. So. Absolutely. Yeah, right before they dropped. Alan Murphy's with us. Hello, Alan Murphy. Welcome to the program. Howdy, howdy. We have, he knows the way to San Jose, and he likes it. Michael Furman's with us. Mikey, how are you this afternoon? Hey, guys. How's it going? Doing, doing great here today. From the Amigos Retro Gaming group of guys, Aaron right. is with us. Hey, Aaron, how are you doing? Welcome. Thanks for being here. And last like but certainly not least, the Thunder from Down Under, who also likes to say, Oh, Rocky. Nicholas Morentes. Hey, howdy, partners. Howdy, partners. How? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Sounds kind of Western. Yeah, actually, you do a, you do a better stop right there than D Jason does. Can we get your stop right there, Nick? Stop right there. <laughs> uh, that's pretty good. Well, as always, we've got a great show for you today. Got a big show, really big show here in store for you. And um, Curtis, where are we going to go with this now? Aaron's here. You got some stuff to talk about, some things to show, some things to tell. What do we do first? Well, I was going to ask Aaron, I, I don't want to play the whole video because we want people to actually go visit your YouTube and actually get your, your link counts up. So is there a particular segment or segments you think we should play to kind of give people the idea of what, what your Atomic Pie Cocoa Project oh, is? You're, you're starting the show with me, are you? Oh, man. <laughs> I, no gone. I told Curtis, I said, this is a ham and egg project. No one's going to give a crap about this. And we kept 
He's like, you got to get on the show. I was like, all right, man. I'll, I'll, I guess I'm gonna talk about it. So, heck, fire it up, Curtis. And we'll, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll talk about do, it. Do you, you want to inter- Aaron? Do you want to introduce it and let us know what the heck well, we're about ready to see? You know, so, you know, uh, uh, a couple months ago when the uh, the Coco uh, keys to USB popped out, I don't know how long it's been, but I remember thinking to myself, man, somebody could do something with that. You know, that sounds pretty cool. And uh, I'd already done the C64. Uh, pie, that stick, and I saw a lot of people were making the cocoa pies, and you did the video on the on the cocoa pie and stuff, and I thought, man, that's not the worst idea, because I had a cocoa 2 here that was just sitting here empty, you know, Kate, the board's no good. And so, but I wasn't going to do it, because I'd already done the a Commodore one, and I, I just, I'll be honest with you, I don't like Linux. I, I'm just not a Linux guy. I don't, I'm not good at it, you know? I'm a simple country boy. We don't have Linux down these parts, and I'm so yeah. So I had no, I had no reason to fool with it. And I thought, well, you know, I've got this Atomic Pie that's been sitting behind my TV set for about a year. I've done nothing with it, and the Atomic Pie was a, uh, it's a Raspberry Pi sort of knockoff uh, that was that came out last year. Uh, they're still around. You can get one for like thirty-five, forty bucks. And but the difference is this thing will let you run Windows on it, Windows 10, uh, if you're an idiot and you cut it down like you wouldn't believe because it's only this thing's got two, two gig of memory and a 16 gig uh, onboard storage, and so you, it's hard to compress Windows 10 down to 16 gigs. Absolutely. Uh, uh, but if you chop every conceivable thing off of it, I mean everything, and you uh, uh, you know do a bunch of craziness, you could pull it off. And so I I, I did it. And I thought, well, if we could fit this in the cocoa with one of these USB, uh, uh, you know, cocoa adapters, you might have something that I could get into. And so that's that's basically what I did. I uh, the uh, cocoa had just enough space in there for me to stuff all the crap in there uh, to uh, to get it to work, and it, but it worked. And so uh, uh, instead of having a a uh, Raspberry Pi uh, with Linux on it, I've got this uh, Windows capable machine. I mean, barely capable. Which that wasn't much of a project, and so we had talked the last time I was on about uh, bringing new users in. If you remember that episode, you guys did, and uh, you know what would be the easiest way to do it. We talked about the uh, the SDC, uh, which was I told you, and I uh, that it would be great to have this emulated because it makes it loading games so easy. We talked about this, and uh, you know I'm all about games. I don't do anything but games, and so I thought I would do since the the atomic pie portion of the event was pretty mundane. Just stick stuff in, turn stuff on. I, uh, I use a, I use a windows front end emulation front end called coin ops next. And what I did was just chopped it down and put it and installed a cocoa front end on it. So what that mean by that is I use it instead of using a, a retro pie or one of these uh, front ends that you would use in Linux, I'm using this windows one. And what? And since I was more familiar with it, it'll let me go in there and soup it up to where I could run stuff with a mess, which is the you know main basically. Mess is the old name for what this was. And uh, there was no, uh, there was no, uh, there's no, no one out there making um, audio visual stuff for the Coco for front ends. I know this is sort of going outside the realm of the show, but That's if you fine. use any, if you use any front ends like arcade front ends or anything like that, which a front end is just a a program to make it easier to load like ROMs. All right. Yeah. Make it makes it look more pretty. Uh, there was no one out there that had videos for the Coco games or 
or, or, or logos that were already transparently made or videos, a lot of, you know, that stuff was also, I didn't realize I was going to be doing, getting into that business, but I ended up having to make all the videos and all I found, I did find someone that had scanned all the, the cartridge cartridge boxes in so I could use those pretty much everything else I had to scan in. But anyway, at the end of the day, uh, what you've got is a front end that will let you run um, all the cartridges uh, with the w visually and and about I've rigged up about twenty five disc games so far that will that will run off of it. Uh, that's really all there was to it. I mean, it was uh, Curtis helped me with some of the command line stuff, uh, getting mess to load uh, a, a load up a a disc, for example, from command line was. Uh, I had to go back and brush up on my my DOS stuff, basically, because it's been so long since I did it, since I used the the US, the uh, SD card thing. It ended up working out pretty good, man, I think. Uh, Curtis, if you want to spin that thing up, you can, you know, show them a couple things. That was pretty much long and short of it. No, that's cool. I understand what you're saying. A front-end, like, emulation station, or there's a few other ones that's like right. that, too. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, no, that's cool. Okay, well, I'll, I'll up first of all, I'll show the hardware, so they'll show the Coca 2 case and the keyboard and stuff that you, you set up. And then we'll fast forward to some of the stuff you did for the interface thing, which I think is the really interesting part. And of course, you're using Paul Fiscarelli's, you know, keyboard adapter, so the real Coco Two keyboards being used in yeah. this as well. Yeah, Paul really helped me out this week because I broke the I, I broke the USB port off the my first one <laughs> because I <laughs> the way I have it rigged. So he sent me another one this week. He rushed it in for me, so I appreciated that. Okay, let me share the old screen here if I can. Well, that's a new menu. <laughs> you have to hear that when it's live. Yeah. <laughs> I love software updates. <laughs> Honest, I do. Okay, you guys seen that? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Looks like you a Coco. I know how the volume is here, so. Hard. I figured I'd just show you right now <laughs> before, because I don't ever want to take it apart again. So, as you can see, it's a mild manner. That's the cocoa I got kind from the Hillbilly Flea Market, by the way. God bless them down there. Hillbilly Flea Market. There's no screws in it right now. So. <laughs> There's the it's Atomic Pie back there. It's got well. a big old heat sink on it, huh? Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a fairly so, powerful little device. What you've got here now. It's got like an Atom processor or something? Slightly different interior. Uh, you know what? You had to ask. <laughs> I don't remember off the top of my head. Pie. All right. Now, uh, you can see here I added a, a real shoddy USB, uh, additional USB. This thing only had one. And so there's that. Now, this is the actual onboard USB, and that runs to this. That's mounted in a cartridge slot. That's a uh, just a simple USB 3 hub. Okay, that's cool. And that's in the cartridge slot there, so you got your little side door. By the way, I didn't destroy this case in any way, so no one has to flame me later. There's too much cabling here, I'll be the first to admit it, but I didn't know how much I'd need, so I overcompensated, as I always do. So being neat was never my strong suit. You can see the antenna. It's true. Here and here are for your uh, Wi-Fi, Bluetooth. Uh, I pulled this off an old laptop, and you can see the connections. Right, uh, come on, zoom in, dummy, right there. The okay, there's your leads, there. yeah, your Wi-Fi. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. That's your Raspberry Pi. So what makes this thing go? Well, I said Raspberry Pi like an yeah. idiot, but now. Yeah. this thing apart, I'm going to do it uh, just to show you. So, this yeah, was an interesting. This was an interesting uh, mounting here of the 
Coco Key. It's there. it's way down into see. the in the depths of the is. box there. Oh wow. That's a Raspberry or that's a Coco Keys to USB adapter. Okay, Frodo that's says it does have an Atom processor. Thank you, Frodo. Johnny on the spot. And yeah. that is a, a great device. And I I gotta thank the fellow that makes it because he's helped me out a lot including giving me a real good deal on a replacement part. Um so I'm gonna put this back together and I'll kinda show you what it looks like when everything's put so that's back the in. guts so, yeah on. i mean like i said it's it ain't rocket science yeah so that's cool we put it back together i haven't put the screws in yet but show you what we've got here so when you put it closed up i can drag this over here what you've got there in your cartridge slot is your uh is your hub and then the back of this thing is pretty simple um these ports just blocked out. I had to shave that HDMI cable and, uh, down with a knife. I had to do a little whittling, as they say around okay, here. Okay, whittling. But it, <laughs> it, it, it's amazing how much excess crap is on my, that thing. Uh, you can cut it right off and it'll fit right in there. Pie, yeah. But it's just such a hassle. At the end of the day... That's the most advanced cassette port I've ever yeah, seen, though. Yeah. Just, well, yeah. as I'm... Pathetically I mean, describing here, when I did the Commodore, I got all these uh, breakout cables and, and mounted all this stuff in the back of the and Commodore again, with the glue with the and stuff. Put a, and at the end of the day, it was just a waste of money cable. and a waste and of time. Then, yeah. I mean, because, listen, this some people make stuff real pretty, and that's not me, obviously. I'm a functionality guy. So, And this thing's functional. It's got two cords that come out the back. And they work. That's all I need. Yeah. I, I, mountain, a, a female HDMI and stuff. Just, it's just a waste of time. The, my downtime for me. For my part to come in was this uh, right here, which is a which is a momentary switch, just to uh, turn it on and off. That's all there is to it. I mean, it, when you plug it in, it automatically comes on. But this way, you can turn it on and off whenever it's been activated. So it, it's it's a help. Neat. That's it. There yeah. is your atomic cocoa. Okay. I'll see and we will fire this thing up and see what you think. So, uh, you've seen, and uh, we are into the. Oh, yeah. I like that. Now. That's like a you very much see, like an emulation I mean, it's station. It's not rocket science. The little monitor yeah. has the video, the uh, cartridges are on the right, and then behind them. I'm no artist. I want to, I want to reiterate that. Oh, ah, this is good, uh, man. Uh, I like this. Video. Now, you need to remove the door. I had to shoot all these videos. <laughs> move, if you can believe it. Oh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, so, not, so yeah, this I, is like I, your I track size screen. them nicely. I mean, that's right. I that's I had a, sweet. Had to capture video out of mess and have it fit my little. Yeah, this is the part that really grabbed me when uh, when he was showing yeah. it to me a few weeks ago. That, like Again, this just looks awesome. Yeah, well, it's not the best. Like I said, someone honestly, went through. I, I did the best and I had, could. And had I'm, scanned I'm, all the covers. Not that, my bag. And I will say, art, this part wasn't that tough to rig, y'all, because this is sort of what these things are meant to do. Curtis, mute his video because he's talking over himself right now. see a couple of these. You need two of me talking at once at all times to get the story across. But when you when you this is sort of what these front ends were made to do. Just load up a ROM. It's yeah. just, you know, just like a console. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This yeah. wasn't too. This wasn't too bad uh, to rig. The the hard, the much much harder uh, thing, which is coming up here, is is rigging up the discs. That was a. I didn't think that was going to be that big a deal until the first time I tried to do it. And then I was like, holy moly, uh, it was not easy to uh, because then you had to get in the command line stuff. But this part yeah. wasn't too bad. Uh, the videos were hard because the to get Mame to capture video at the at the resolution I needed. This is going to sound weird, but I had to drop mains resolution down as low as it would go. And then when I captured the video, it, it, it fit in there pretty nicely. 
because at first I was getting video on that screen. It was like a, a postage stamp because I had, <laughs> had the resolution so high. I, it, it was it was odd. I learned a lot about uh, capturing video during this. I will say that. That's cool. So and you had some cartridges you had so... problems with too. So oh, go yeah, ahead. I did. I had a couple cartridges that I could haven't gotten to load yet. Although honestly, I haven't got. To, it's not like I sat around trying because I had so much video and stuff to render that I just kind of like I'll get to it later. But uh, the in mess. For whatever reason, I couldn't get RoboCop um, to work. Uh, uh, what was the other? It was one of those. It was a Dungeons. It wasn't Dungeons Dragons. Castle was Theragood. Yeah. That's it, man. The one I couldn't pronounce. Uh, I couldn't get that one to load. And there was another one where I'll top my head that I couldn't get to load. But, I mean, I'll, I'll figure it out eventually. No yeah. <laughs> uh, so this, so what we're looking at here, this screen we're looking at here is is when you boot it up. This is what you see on your screen, isn't it? It's like a menu system, so you yes. can select what you want. That's yeah, right. That's awesome. And this this runs out of window. I mean, this is not like custom made for the Atomic Pie. Like the, anybody could run this right on their Windows machine. I mean, it's it's just like, I just it runs Windows, and so that's yeah. one of the reasons I wanted to yeah. use it because I'm familiar with this setup. As opposed to, I mean, I've used Retro Pie and stuff, but it's such, for me, it's a hassle. It's a bit, this is a lot easier. I mean, at the end of the day for me, because I'm the dumb guy. I don't know much about Linux. And then you run the cartridge. Now, and uh, you probably know this, Stevie, when you, when you're in, and probably a lot of you guys, when you're in uh, MAME or MESS, uh, the, the, you have to use uh, scroll lock to, re to go into partial yeah. keyboard emulation. Yep. So the good thing about this is, uh, and I, I figure you probably did this too, Stevie, is I just rigged. Uh, I rigged the joystick. I'm using uh, I'm using a Pi joystick, uh, just which I'm showing you. I mean, uh, excuse me, a PS4 joystick, and I just rigged a couple of the, the two of the analog buttons have buttons down. I I rigged one up as a scroll lock and one as the tab, yep. so I can go in and make changes. And then I rigged it up to where if you hit a, if you want to leave the game, you can just hit the uh, back and start buttons, and it just backs you back out to the. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much what I'd done too with my with an Xbox style and controller you, you too. Pro yeah, I used Xbox at first. You probably realize, Stevie, that at, when you got into this, that it's uh, you can almost make this to where you don't need a keyboard. But yeah, yeah, you, you sort of if you really want to go through each game and and figure out what you're going to need on your joystick. But a lot of games ask for weird stuff. Sometimes they want you to put your name in. Sometimes you have to hit clear or S. Yeah, or yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. You really, you really, I think the idea that you, you could just run one of these just with a joystick is probably, I mean, you could probably get all the games together that you don't need a keyboard on and put those in a separate yep, listing. Yep. But, I mean, I'm, I, it doesn't bother me because I'm right beside the keyboard. But, I mean, it is something. It, that's a little bit. That's, and I, I haven't set up the controls for every conceivable game in this. I just, you know, basic controls across the board. Uh, but you can, for the most part, you can get in and out of the games pretty, pretty easily uh, with this. Uh, something else that's a pain in the butt on the Coco is that you have there's no standard joystick port, you know, yep. as player yep. one. And yep. this is this is purely for laziness. But basically, what I did was, you know, so you've got two analog sticks on these joysticks. I rigged this one up as player two, and I used this up here as the player two button. Uh, so. So basically, the the right stick is player two. So I can use the same yeah, joystick yeah. for both I actually, players. I I actually map player <laughs> player one and two both to the left stick. So no matter what the game wants, I, that's what I get. 
Yeah, that's, that's, that's not the, the same, worst idea. Same concept, yeah. Yeah, I had the, I had the exact same motivation of I want a game console experience, and I, I have my Raspberry Pi in my living room set up where I can do 90% what I want with the joystick, and especially yeah. in, in the world of cartridges. I've even got a reboot key to my right bumper, so if I need to reboot the Coco, I just press a button, and I can reboot it if I want to start the game over. Yeah, and I will um, say, uh, this front end, of course, now this is a front end you're looking at, but it's still running MAME, which is the same thing you're running in RetroPie or whatever. It's just, you know, mess, MAME. And so you're, uh, you're, it's exactly the same. You can, yeah. Everything you said in your video would hold true if people yeah. wanted to rig their controls that way. Now, like I said, these disc games were a little bit trickier. Uh, and I, I mentioned this in the video. I had to make all these icons for the most part, a mm. lot of them. So some of them are just embarrassingly stupid. <laughs> but, I mean, it's, I, I did everything I could. So, I mean, a lot of games you couldn't find any box art or anything to make these icons out of. So when you see the scrolling... The scrolling uh, uh, like uh, uh, logos, I, those are all I made. Mo I made probably at least two thirds of those. Some of them I, could, I, I managed to download, called like a Zaxxon or something that was right. made on another machine. Uh, these are the. This is the stuff that's that are all disc based. Uh -huh. uh, the uh, uh, I had to separate these because of the way they load. I mean, there may be some way to have them all in the same directory, but I kind of like having them in a separate directory anyway, uh, uh, for uh, just to keep them straight in my head. Uh, and also, since they don't look the same as the cartridges, the art the art style matches if you put them in a separate uh, thing. And I think about it, at some point when I get done putting all the disc ones in, I'll probably rig something up with with the cassette. Uh, but a lot of cassette games you can get on disc, so it's not a that's not a huge deal. This works exactly the same way. Just scroll down uh, to what you want. Yeah, I'm, again, I I didn't have a good logo for that, so I yeah. Listen, some of the, I think there are a lot. Of, there's, some, there's some straight up thievery, yo. In this area, <laughs> I'm just gonna tell you. It's nothing. If anyone asks, you know, I mean, I made up like that one. I just took the car, car. I just screen captured that and then colored it like that one. I just compiled it. Cut. It's a lot of crapola there, guys. Yeah. You know, so your mileage. You can do whatever you want if you ever try to do this, but that's. I thought it looked okay. Uh, Looks excellent. Yeah. So, uh, uh, of so course. The disc you had, you had like I said, you had to type in the commands. And the, the good thing about having an actual Coco sitting beside me was I could actually like load the disc up to see which file I had to load. Yeah. Because otherwise, you'd have to mount each one of these discs in mess and then write down what the you know what you needed. So it made it a lot quicker. So my question: Did the Coco have bank switched cartridges? Was that the problem? There were a few. Yeah, there yeah. were a few. A Robocop's one of them. Um, Predator's another. Rampage used the full 32K ROM. I can't remember. There's some weird things in Rampage. It's causing problems with the Gimme X, too. So. Uh, I was yeah. just wondering because... I'm sure there's... Maybe there's a setting in there or something you can flip. I, like I said, I, I I didn't... I sped right past them, fellas. I'll be honest with you. So you can see right, when so... this comes up, this has to actually... You have to actually have the command set up to run whatever the load thing is. And if you, if you can hear this, you can actually simulate a disk drive loading. There's, mm -hmm. a way, there's a way to speed this part up but I thought it was kind of funny, so I just—it's not it didn't take that long, so I just kind of left it in. It's—I always think it's kind of neat to see the a phantom typer at the at the helm. But yeah. once you once you run these games, uh, they just they just run like they normally would with everything just like the, exactly the same as the cartridge stuff. And then the uh, I found that once I figured out a pattern to do these, adding the uh, the disc games at first were taking me forever, but now that I've gotten into the groove, I can add one pretty quick now. So I'm. I've got a big list of my favorites, and I'm just sort of going through there when I have a spare some spare time. Uh, uh, but uh, that's pretty much a long and short of it. Uh, you know, just some front end stuff. Like I said, nothing made nothing in the ballpark of the projects you guys are doing. But I don't know, somebody might get a kick out of no, it. No, big time. There yeah. you go. 
Beck, that That's is really, really cool. I really like it. Yeah, excellent work. Exactly. Yeah, the, the selector is the, the big thing. I mean, the Atomic Pie, like you said before, is, is kind of like a Raspberry Pi, which several people have done. But having a front end that's this easy to use where you have one master controller that simulates both joysticks simultaneously, plus you can actually access some of the, the main uh, mess menus as well, so you can change settings and stuff here. That that whole package together is what really gets me on this. Like, this is very slick and well done. Right. I will say that the, uh, you know, uh, VCC and whatever, I mean, you're running Windows. You didn't really, We didn't look at the desktop, but... I mean, you could run, you could run whatever you want. So, I mean, this is just a, I've got it booting up to this, but effectively you could run any emulator you want. I had some other 8-bit computers in this like lineup, but I kind of took them out because I was concentrating on the Coco. But I mean, this it, it had enough capability to run most stuff. Like I said, the big difference is it just runs Windows. That's really about the only difference in it. Everything else power-wise and whatnot is pretty much about the same. Neat, 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 neat. Yeah, the the video that I did that would probably help people do some of this is I did a video that said turn your turn Mame into a game console, you know, make a Coco game console with Mame. Yeah. And I went through the whole thing and how to map joysticks and how to map the joystick buttons to the menus and bring up the menus and be able to load files and stuff. Um, what you've done with the with the GUI front end is is really the secret sauce there. That's the cool part. That's the sparkle dust. Absolutely. Um, yeah. um, but on a Cocoa Pie with MAME, you can do 90% of that, but it's just text-based menus. But with the way I set up my controllers, I can, you know, other than launching the text-based menu, once I've launched a Cocoa, I can pull up software all using my joystick. But be able to have that scroll wheel and kind of spin around and just pick a game and click on that game and have it launch, that's priceless, you know. Well, you know, uh, you could actually, if you, I don't know how much you fooled around with RetroPie, any of y'all, uh, uh, but RetroPie is, a, is a, obviously a, a very good front end, powerful front end for the mm -hmm. uh, pies. And you could you could probably do a lot of the same. You could probably do the exact same thing if you took the notion, uh, uh, to be honest with you. It's just it, that's not in my realm of expertise. So I, I, I didn't fool it. And I've done a little bit of work with it, but I've forgotten it. It's been so long since I messed with it. But in fact, you could probably use some of the same configuration files that I made up. Just because I mean, you got to think it's running the exact same emulator. It's just a matter of how you deliver it. And the, and the front end, uh, you just it, that rigging the rigging the front end part wouldn't be that tough. It's just a matter of how you rig the front end on RetroPie to use the configuration files you need. Uh, to load up floppies, for example. Yeah. I'd say loading up the ROMs wouldn't be that tough. There's another one that I used to use that was started with an M, Max something for Windows. It was like Max, I don't remember what the hell it was, but it, it's it's a licensed thing, but I got it with when I bought my tank stick, so I got a license for this Max whatever. Uh -huh. And that one lets you pull from the MAME directories. It pulls things like the marquees and the snaps and things like that. Yeah. So it creates a similar... Um, interface like that but it didn't have the live video that's a neat feature like when you hover over a machine and you see like a little video of the game in action well that's, know, that's like that's like next level right there you know that's really yeah. it's not for i mean yeah yeah i guess but i mean the bottom truth is uh this has all been well trodden territory if you're into the emulation oh yeah scene. oh yeah no I, uh, I used uh game x and hyperspan and they, and there's a place out there called mu movies that you can get all the video and stuff the di like I said, the difference is there is nothing for the There's cocoa. nothing for the cocoa, right, because <laughs> so, it's not, yeah. So it takes much longer to capture the video and make up the art than yeah. it does to actually rig the games. I can tell you that right now. Yeah, that's But, cool. I mean, you only have to do it once, right? So then you're done. So not too bad. It's kind of fun. To, 
not to mention, I felt like I get to make up the logos that some of these games never had. So I just pull crap out of my butt. Basically, yeah, that's man. That is very cool. I'm waiting to get a phone call from somebody. Like, what did you do? Looks right. awesome, man. Yeah, and Evan Wright got yeah. the name right there, Maximus Arcade. Yeah, that was one of the front ends that yeah, I had. I've and, heard of and, that. Yeah, yeah. And it, it'll load any emulator in the back end and load the different ROMs for you, and it creates the menus and all that kind of stuff. So. Um, Neat, really neat. Yeah. So, I mean, basically what you've done is you've taken an environment that's existed on a lot of different emulation platforms and you've tuned it to the Coco and you've made it Coco and that's the cool part. And that's, yep. and, and, and that's what we love about you. Uh, so that's awesome. Thank man. you. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> Keeping it Coco, baby. Mm -hmm. So, um, <laughs> excellent. Yeah. Cool, cool. I was impressed. This would make a good kiosk. Like uh, when Henry Redfield does his you know, actual arcade cabinet thing. Yeah. This would be a nice front end for his too. Much more yeah, Hen Henry is using a Windows-based PC stick, so because this is all Windows um, central, you know, Windows centric, it could be transferred over pretty easy. This is ultra portable. Yeah, uh, I could I could zip this up and you can install it on any computer. Uh, it's a uh, I've got it on D. If you put it on D, you can run it immediately. If you put it on another drive, you may have to change some paths. But that's pretty yeah. much it. No, that's cool. Very cool. Yeah, nice. yeah. And if anybody else does set this up here, if you want to help Aaron, you know, doing some of the artwork in the video for games that he hasn't hit yet, because there's probably another thousand or so to go. So no, you're killing me. <laughs> I've done 25 floppy disk games. What are you doing to me? You're killing me, Smalls. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've got that 3,000 disk image that no. we could build on. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Good luck, fellas. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like a community effort. That's the, it, yeah, it takes a village to raise an idiot. So uh, together we can. <laughs> together we can do it. So. What does it take an idiot to raise a village? <laughs> All right. How about we do this? How about we take a commercial break, and then we'll come back with news with L. Curtis Boyle. Does that work for you, L. Curtis? Oh, sure. All right. It's time for everyone's favorite segment, Who's New to Discord This Week? Well, this week, we give a welcome to Arcade Shopper, Gregory McGill, who has an extensive collection of 8 and 16-bit machines. Cargo, Raul Diaz, he joined us by way of Coco Talk. The Coco was his childhood computer, and he's come to Discord to get help fixing his broken Coco. The color red, Lucas, just recently got a Coco too, and he was invited by James D on Atari Age. And as always, a special thanks to Alpen Grace, Voice on Tech, our Coco Talk patrons, David Ladd, Paul Fiscarelli, Rob Inman, and Terry Steggy for boosting the Discord server. Join us on Discord at discord.cocotalk.live. See you on Discord, everybody. And now these messages. Hello, I'm David Ladd. Thank you for watching Coco Talk, the world's leading live Coco Talk show. Good night. This is Nick Marionettes. Crikey. After you buy Gunstar... Stop right there. Okay, fine. After you bought Gunstar, go ahead and buy your copy of the Coco Fest edition of... Nightmare Highway. Nightmare Highway. It's a quarter of the quality at half the cost. ESP 8266-01 RS232 TTL Wi-Fi Network 4-pin DIN Fitbanger DB9 PC IP DriveWire 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 
This portion of Coco Talk brought to you by Placeblex Dietary Supplement. Placeblex, thought to help you with your floppy life. In a world where hard drives rule and floppies are superfluous, one man, one legend, one old fart dared to learn the floppy and took the brunt of jokes. Then All hard drives and SSDs died, but the floppy survived. And the only man who knew floppies became a legend once more. Floppy Life, the David Ladd story. This summer, straight to YouTube. 8-slot MPI, floppy drive, Coco SDC, sound speech pack, orchestra 90, RS-232 pack, modem pack, super IDE. You start adding all those together if you want them all usable at the same time. Well, guess what? You just went over the 4-slot MPI. David Ladd. Oh, I'm much happier breaking stuff. From around the world, what you need to know. Get caught up on... News and we're here we are back we started off with the most exciting news that's hit the cocoa this week we've seen the atomic cocoa pie retro pie atomic awesome thing thank you aaron and now for things nowhere near as cool curtis boyle yeah, I was just going to say that, too. These are going to pale by comparison. But. You're killing me. <laughs> You're killing me, Smalls. Hey, first up, uh, Carlos Camacho did this uh, little mini Coco 3D print here uh, using a resin printer. And I think it looks pretty darn impressive. It actually does. That's the Coco Mini. Look at that. <laughs> oh, how do I get one? Either that or he's got giant hands. I haven't figured yes. out yet. But, uh... <laughs> that is wicked. Detailed. The only thing really? it needs is a better badge over there. That's kind of ghetto fabulous. And he makes badges, so I'm yeah. sure that's coming. We don't need no that's stinking cool. badges. Yeah. No, that's really cool. I like that. I like the black bezel, the keys, yeah, the red brake key. It's got He's the memory got, like, badge. He's even got the slots for the, uh, the yeah, air vents the and air stuff. vents and everything, yeah. That is cool. Now we just need an atomic-sized atomic pie now. You can yeah, put that inside put the that atomic pie you, inside You put there. a pie zero in that one, man. You're good yeah. to go. Absolutely. <laughs> it's just like the, the C64 Mini. Yeah, the Coco Mini. Very cool, Carlos. Uh, next up, Eric Sprano. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly. So he's starting to learn uh, assembly language, and he wants to make a, a boot. Um, now, we've got some auto boots that kind of, like I know um, Todd Wallace or Dragon made a, a boot that, or a program that actually gives you kind of like what CPU you're running. What is this RAM a boot going, anyways? So. <laughs> That's the Canadian version. Um, so at any rate, he's, he's, he actually wanted to learn how to use the Gimme for graphics. We did a graphics stream, but he's also designing a whole boot system that's going to be based on this. So he's not done that part yet. But uh, this looks pretty cool, I think. Uh, if it's up here. So you can see he's got this nice, and it's all graphical. It's not yeah. just text. 
Uh, so it'll tell you like which CPU you're running. Eventually, it's not not all is done yet. How much RAM you have, and then you also have the boot. You know, do you want to boot into Nitrous Nine, Fusix, SDC Explorer, or straight to Disk Basic, etc. Uh, on your SDC. So I, it's a pretty impressive you know feat for doing this. You know, for the very first assembly language project. Yeah, neat. And it also looks really nice because I mean it looks like more like a modern PC BIOS because it's actually yeah. in the graphics mode to draw everything rather than just text. Yeah, that is really cool. It's wicked. I'm actually more interested in the thing on the on the shelf than the Coco. <laughs> oh, that whole patch thing back there? Looks like an analog synthesizer. Sure? Anyway, go on. <laughs> we must inquire. Ooh, squirrel. I can tell who the hardware guys are on the show. Yeah, there's a bit of uh, Eurorack going on there by the looks of it. Some type of patch panel of some form, yeah. Erico. Erico has been doing all this wicked, uh, as, you know, semi-graphic stuff, which we'll be getting more to on the Game on News segment, too. But he's uploaded a file here, and he's got a request to the community here. Um, it basically is drawing some semi-graphic stuff in the background, and he wants to be able to compress it down a little bit for an upcoming project that he's working on. So for the programmers here, he needs to compress this down to th around 300 bytes. And right now, it's taking about 569. So a little bit of a challenge there for, you, for people out there who want to help him out. And if, well, as we'll see with some of the semi-graphics animations, he's doing some stuff that just looks awesome, considering the low res that he's dealing with. Yeah. Is this uh, the one with the guy who was dancing and everything? Yeah, that'll be coming up in the game okay. segment. So we'll get to see those. So, but anyway, anybody wants to help, go to the Facebook, uh, find the link here in the Coco group, and uh, give them some response. Uh, next up, this is an interview we're still trying to set up here, thanks to David O'Connor, with Martin Brosman, who's part of, is it Moog or Moog? Uh, it's, it's actually pronounced Moog. It's pronounced Moog, Moog. yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So he's, he's active in, in Moog, and he also was active as a, a person that worked at Radio Shack uh, back in the day, too, and actually was quite into the Cocoa back in the day. And uh, we're, we're trying to line up the interview for him, but he added this nice post when he joined the group here. So there's pictures of him, you know, various ages, you know, when he's a manager, when he's just an employee, uh, demonstrating the Cocoa at a, a show, um, everything else, too. So we'll get more into this when we actually get the interview set up, but it was kind of neat seeing some of the historical stuff. And he's in Australia, too, is he? Uh, no, 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 he's in America. He's in America? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So we're looking forward to getting that interview set up. So hopefully once that's all done, we'll try to be able to give you a bit of a pre-announcement so people can come and ask questions. Uh, next up, Alison Denu has been recently recovering some of her old Coco cassettes here that have been, you know, not touched since the early 80s type thing. And she's actually been able to recover some of the source code from some of the programs she did from back in the day. And then she's put up these little things, you know, you can download and take a look at them and figure out what they do. And because you know, sometimes she doesn't remember herself. Uh, so she's been doing this off and on. I think she's done a couple of these now. So it's it's kind of fascinating. And I, I wish I had still had a lot of my old tapes because I know there's some probably weird stuff I wrote back when I was in like grade nine or something that I don't remember either that I wouldn't mind seeing you know, where I was at that time programming wise. So that's an interesting project. So any of the rest of you that have you know old computer cassettes kicking around that uh, might have some of your old code, it might be interesting to see kind of an archaeological dig into your own coding. Yeah, yeah. I remember on an early episode of the Coco Crew podcast, they were talking about a program that would go through kind of like what the Grease Weasel does with pulling flux off of floppies, and it would look at tapes, and it would let you see what type of data is on the tape. So if you had like unreadable parts of your tape, you could maybe get a piece here and a piece there and kind of like you know, kind of forensically scour the contents of magnetic media. I don't remember what that program was called, but I remember them talking about that years ago. Um, so 
There was a tool to help. You know, we'll call it the tape weasel for back of lack of any better term. But um, there was there is or was a program that would help you um, get stuff. Kind of look at what's on a tape, like a, almost like you know, bring it all in and let you get a directory of what was on there. Um, I wish yeah, I could and if, it's, if it's if it's like a weasel style thing, you might even be able to recover some tapes that are partly screwed up too. Yeah, so. yeah, potentially. So, um, but that's cool that she has gotten that. I, I remember reading on one of the um, uh, Boston albums it was at the third stage or something like that, where the the, the tapes had sat around so long. When you read the liner notes, you're like, hey, one thing we discovered was when tapes sit around for a while, they kind of stick to themselves, and we had to, yeah. you know, get these things and unstick them and remaster them and stuff like that. That, so, that was third stage. Yeah, that was like an eight year <laughs> album. I remember that. Yeah. So well, the uh, thing with open, the big thing with open real tape was it, it suffers from a thing called sticky shed syndrome, which is where the binder that holds the magnetic media to the to the backing actually disintegrates and oh, it wow. becomes this sticky gooey mess and if you play the tapes um, they literally stick to the tape transport and jam up so what you've got to do is you've got to put them in a, a temperature controlled oven usually at around 50 degrees celsius for about eight hours oh. and you bake the tape and it, <laughs> um, it, it it gets rid of all the moisture in the binder and it gives you an opportunity to play the tapes again yeah, so, yeah kind of re-record them. audio cassettes that idea <laughs> let's, put a tape. let's bake this tape let's for bake 60 the tape, minutes. man. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> yeah. You can see, actually, you can see in the background behind my uh, behind my computer monitor here my reel-to-reel decks. I've actually, oh, actually, you can't. Yes, yeah, so yeah, I, I just screen, but <laughs> just take his word for it, guys. <laughs> yeah, 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 but. Yeah, but I just think some engineer was trying to nuke his lunch there and just grab the wrong yeah, thing because just... he was tired and uh, just accidentally <laughs> discovered. It. That's my guess. <laughs> No, it's interesting yeah. you mentioned that about Alison restoring all her old programs. I actually did the same thing when I got my Coco SDC and went through all my old cassettes and everything that was on them was still playable. So I've transferred the whole lot onto my uh, Coco SDC, so I might upload some too, like you said, Steve. Yeah, I've got a few cassettes buried in a box somewhere. I should probably dig them out and see if I still have anything on them, but I haven't looked at them in years. And I gave away a lot of my tapes when I got my drive back in the day, so I probably don't have too many of them. But it, it, like I said, it's interesting kind of seeing your histor- history of programming here. She mentioned yeah. one of her first comments. As you can see, I'd not yet learned that you can concatenate basic commands onto a single line. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> so it's one line. Per, and yeah. I remember doing that, too. Yeah. yeah. You can use a colon? What? Yeah. Not on school assignments. I got a failing grade from one for doing that. Really? Yeah, yeah. I did that, too, because they wanted everything easy for the teacher to read. <laughs> Lazy bums. <laughs> Um, you got rewarded for inefficiencies (laughs) yeah well it's readability i mean that i mean it's like doing flow charts and stuff there i never ever use that for real life i might do a a, a point sheet you know with points of you know how the program is going to work but i would never sit there and draw those stupid symbols (laughs) uh this one here jonathan felchin felchlin uh, posted on Facebook about the availability of a Cocoa 2 cap replacement kit, and they're talking about you know doing ones for Cocoa 1s and Cocoa 3s and stuff as well. So I, I think there's some other people that also offer these types of things. So if you have one of the Cocoa's old ones where the caps are starting to leak and stuff, this is a nice replacement kit where you get all the exact right ones you need in one package. Very cool. And I know there are some schools of thought because they, they, they say, uh, there's been some phrases tossed around. I think it was by... Um, uh, What's his name? The guy, the guy who's always usually very abrasive on Facebook with Eric Gavriluk, right? Yeah. So, yeah, he was the one who's saying, "I'm so sick and tired of everybody thinking they're just going to recap everything because for no reason and this and that and the other." So, I guess there are different schools of thought or people's uh, feelings on how people, when they recap or why they recap or do they need to recap. 
I, n- I don't know enough about that, you know, but having a source for the right capacitors is is a good thing to know. Yeah, without having to hunt them all down. Yeah, yeah I think yeah, like, this... I think in general, basically, it is. I mean, obviously, if you've got leaking caps, you should replace those. Right. Or if they're Two, bulging. If yeah, your or, caps are starting to bulge on the top of the electrolytic ones, time to replace them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or or if your machine's acting erratically, like maybe that's something to try, like, you know, if, if something's starting to go. So. Although I've got to say that as as someone who's done both radio and digital, every tube radio capacitor needs to be redone. Digital caps, yep. like you say, are on an as-needed basis. I don't think there's a single cocoa out there that absolutely needs to be recapsite unseen. There must be yeah, something I wrong totally with it agree. before you do that. Completely agree with you, Rick. I've, I've, if you look behind me, all, oh, once again, you can't see it, but my <laughs> everyone's <laughs> everyone's seen my big bank of synthesizers and everything. I've got you know synthesizers in here that are some are nearly fifty years old. There's not a single synthesizer I don't think in this room that doesn't have its original capacitors in it. They've all got their original capacitors and they all still work perfectly to spec. Now the big the big disadvantage with just going in and randomly replacing capacitors is there's more to capacitors than just microfarads and volts. There's things like you know um, the series resistance and there's 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 ripple current ratings and there's temperature ratings and there's temperature coefficients and all sorts of other things. And quite often, if you just go in willy nilly and replace capacitors without knowing what their specific role in a, in, in a specific part of the circuit is, and you just replace them with any other capacitor, you might actually cause damage at the worst case scenario, or best case scenario, you might compromise the quality of the, of the performance of the product. So when you replace capacitors, you've got to make sure that you replace them with the right type, for, not just electrolytics, but the right type of electrolytic for that particular uh, purpose. And that's why so I leave it to you experts. Well, I mean, I, I have had I have had the experience where I've had a Coco 3 that was completely doing dumb stuff, and I went ahead and ordered one of those recap kits from eBay and uh, had wonderful results ever since. So I guess your mileage will vary. Yeah, if you do it right, if you replace it with the right capacitors with a kit that's specifically designed for it, it won't be a problem. It'll work fine. But another another example, I've got a very one of my very high end cassette decks here, a Harman Kardon um, top of the range deck, three head dual capstan, and all the rest of it. I had a fault with that, with distortion in the left hand channel, um, and I went through it with a fine tooth comb, and I was trying to find the source of it, and um, the, the, the the audio would work for a little bit, then it'd eventually cut out altogether. And it was a faulty capacitor that in one in one of the Dolby circuits. So I just thought, oh well, it's it's just an audio bypass capacitor. It wasn't even didn't look like it was super critical. So I replaced it with just a with another capacitor that I had here on hand. It wouldn't work at all. It had to be exactly the right kind of capacitor, um, right kind of series resistance and everything for it to work at all. All right. Well, it's all about having the right parts to do do That's the job right. correctly. And let's not stray too far off on that, but yeah. Okay, so there is a capacitor kit, and if it's the right capacitors and they need to be replaced, you got a source to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Without yeah. having to hunt them all down individually, which is nice. Yeah. 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 Uh, next up, Jim McClellan, um, who actually, we talked to him a, a couple weeks before, I think he was trying to get his old DMP-105 working, and he did something rather interesting that I hadn't heard of before. So he has his old DMP-105. The original ribbon was, of course, useless, as he says. The ink sponge had turned into its gooey original petroleum constituents, which <laughs> kind of sounds like the tape stuff you were talking about earlier, David. Um, mm-hmm. I managed to get her printing pretty good by replacing the sponge with a 19 millimeter square piece of synthetic kitchen sponge and saturating the sponge with all things blue gel, vegetable oil based food coloring, and now his printer works. 
I thought that was a pretty wow. interesting use of a kitchen sponge. I've never heard of that before. Yeah, definitely. So anybody who wants to get their old line printers running, I guess there's an option here to actually get it fixed up and, and running again. So, and that's using a technique I'd never heard. I've heard of people like re-inking in, you know, ribbons and stuff, but we, you know, once the actual printing assembly part's not working quite correctly, that that's a, a, a version of fixing it that I've never heard of before. I don't know if anybody else in the panel has or not, but. Okay, next up, and I'm not gonna play all the videos here. Uh, there's a young fella named Quinn Good, who's posted a series of videos on YouTube three so far of a cockatoo found in his attic. I don't know if that was his parents or what it was, or maybe moved into a house, I'm not sure, but he's young. And he's just kind of trying to, you know, figure it out. And he's, you know, he's ripped apart the keyboard to clean it, found it was incredibly dirty. And that's maybe why some of the keys aren't working. I actually did uh, send him a um, response on one of the videos for him to try to get contact with us and see if he wants to come on the show or at least, you know, watch the show and maybe pick up some tips and ask some questions, you know, for fixing stuff. Um, I won't play too much of the video. This is his first video when he's first uh, getting it here, so. Okay, hello everybody. So, so you can see he's quite okay, young, so it's kind of cool to get some more of the young blood and here. And we're going to be a little bit here. So again, he's got the uh, Coco Two with the the final version of the keyboard, but it's still the Radio Shack sticker, so it's not a T one. Now the sad thing about this is when I power. He's got some problems, like when he powers it, it on, it comes up with a green screen, but with a couple random characters stuck and no Microsoft Basic. So he's going to ask. He was asking for some help on uh, what some. what possibly could be wrong try to spray some so Depressing. some of our hardware gurus here if they want to go onto the his youtube channel and maybe you know send him some suggestions unless you, you know manages to join the show type thing but he's got three videos up and he's you know trying to fix the keyboard so he shows how to he pulled all the keys off and there's a whole bunch of crud on the base of the keyboard neat good neat nice to That's see cool. uh, future generation uh yeah, and, and just having an interest in it. So here's here's what it gets when it powers on. So I mean the video signal is coming through okay. So mm -hmm. I'm assuming the VDG is fine. That could be a RAM Multi problem, RAM. whatever the Microsoft. Yeah, this is one of those race. pull all the RAM chips and put them back in, and it might fix it. No, how about we just yeah. randomly recap everything? <laughs> <laughs> Heretic. Uh. <laughs> could yeah, be I'm a suspecting wrong RAM too. in this case too. I mean, even swapping the RAM, so if it's a bad RAM in a certain spot, might. You know, fix it enough to boot up at least to figure out that's the problem. So and play musical chairs Ooh. and watch the garbage move to different spots of the screen every time you leapfrog a RAM chip right. into a new socket. Yeah. <laughs> well, depending on what's wrong with the RAM, if he if he reseat or moves them around and reseats them that way, then he might actually get the Microsoft logo to come up again. You know, so at least it comes up. But you get a lot of oxide buildup, especially there's moisture, and then it you know gives all kinds of weird stuff. Just reseating them helps a lot. Yeah, you know, and yeah. and so that's that's the thing, right? And this is when I when I teach people like the basic computer hardware classes on PC stuff. I'm like, you know, when you got a PC that's not working and one of the things that we do is we reseat things. We will reseat a card. And it's not because it's loose, because if it's loose, we could just push down on it. But the reason why you have to pull it out and snap it back in is you're actually scraping the crap off of the card edges by doing that, right? So by reseating it, you're yeah. actually doing a poor man's surface clean. Um, and that's why we have to reseat stuff because sometimes it's oxidation or something else that's interfering with the connection of the circuit, you know? Yeah, it's not like, what Mark, which model of the old Apples, was it the 3 or the 2C or something where you had to pick it up and drop it to oh. reseat the chips? <laughs> yeah, the Apple 3. Basically, the heating and cooling caused the chips to work out of the socket. So it's drop three inches, lift up, drop three inches straight. Yeah, down. that was actually the Apple instructions of how to <laughs> fix it. it was, exactly. <laughs> not on a window, just three inches. Yeah. Yeah, just yeah they didn't just... have the, the option to hurl it against the wall there, which was usually my <laughs> option with it. But uh... the Apple III was really... all designed not to be user maintainable. It was like everything's locked up. You're not supposed to touch it. Unlike the Apple II or the one where it's like, no, you're supposed to manhandle it. 
Yeah. If you really want to take it to another level of reliability too, um, get a can of Deoxit D5 yeah. and just spray a very small amount of that on the sockets themselves when you reseat them, and it'll make it a lot more reliable. Yeah, I'm living and dying by Deoxit now for all my old game consoles trying to get stuff working. So. Oh, yeah. I like how he uh, laid all the keys out there in, to the in, right of the machine. In the right, so in the right order. order. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Someone should have reversed two of those. <laughs> Well, the first time I ever backwards. cleaned my chiclet keyboard, I, I I just you know dumped all the keys and washed them all. And then I'm going, what the hell? How do I put yeah. them back? And then some keys, you know, depending if they're sideways or not, you know, a Z and an N or Z and an N might look you know yeah. roughly the same. And right. then you put it in, especially on the, the scalloped ones here, like the later versions of the Koga 2 keyboard. And all of a sudden, this one key's at a weird angle and doesn't feel right typing, even though it <laughs> technically works. And uh, so yeah, he was smart and did that right off the bat where he kept it, but. Uh, he actually zooms the camera in and it kind of shows like, you know, there's a fair bit of dirt here. I don't know if it'll show clearly in the... Gusting dirt in between that I'm going to clean off right now. Okay. Even the space bar port is like disgusting. <laughs> I don't know how it could have got this way. Even the manual said to keep the keyboard um covered up. Yeah, so... Anyway, like him being a young person just getting into it, he literally just posted these videos up this week. I think they've had like 10 views in some cases and okay. even less than others. So definitely, uh, if you guys want to hit it up, we've, you know, Mark's posting the, the links to it in the chat there. Maybe help him, help him out with the fixing, cool. you know, why it's not booting up properly and then any other tips that he wants from you guys. The fact that he's more interested in fixing a Coco than watching TikTok, he's got my vote. So let's help That's this right. get out. Absolutely. 100% <laughs> agree. <laughs> Or you could put the cocoa on TikTok. That might be interesting too. <laughs> Let the Chinese spy on that. What's the guy's name again? Quinn. Quinn, just so Quinn you know, good. Quinn, there is no Fortnite cartridge for the cocoa, so don't go looking for it. So. <laughs> that sounded yeah. like a challenge to Nick or something. I don't know. But there may be something for the MC10 tomorrow. Yeah, that's right, Jim Gary. <laughs> Jim, Jim Gary's like, hold my beer. All right. So. <laughs> anyway, all right. that's that's all the news, regular news stuff I have. The rest will be on the game on news stuff. But uh, all right. there you go for this week. Far out, man. Far nice. out. Cool. Um, anybody have anything they want to chime in on and what we've discussed in the news so far? Or to, to recap or not to recap, deoxit, pros and cons, tips and tricks for hardware uh, troubleshooting? I asked Tom C. about the uh, de. Uh, recapping just the other day so he might have some tips we need to get out of him. yeah so that as, is as a general so one little thing I, I will say just having my rant about replacing caps power supply caps in cocos are, are, are a little easier to replace they're a little more forgiving with getting the wrong types in there so you know it's it's it's, it's not all doom and gloom if you want to go and recap your cocoa you know go ahead and do it if it needs it Back in the day, recaps were cheaper than new tires. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh well, the one thing about recapping, too, is that unless you're having a problem, if it's not broken, don't fix it. Because exactly. you get you get mm. in there and start desoldering stuff, you could loosen traces and everything and take a perfectly possibly working machine, and now it's not. And even yeah. if you do everything correctly, modern capacitors might be too good. They don't leak enough. You know, things like that. They, they just, I found random times when just, yeah, you have to pull out the tantalum capacitor and go find an old disc ceramic or something to throw in. Just, it's weird. Yeah. Like Dave said, it's, they don't, they aren't the same. 
Okay. One last little, one last thing too. <laughs> Sorry, I'm going on about it, but just one last little thing that is that catches a lot of people. A lot of people will go and pull out old capacitors, thinking they've leaked all over the boards, when in actual fact they haven't leaked. It's actually glue. What manufacturers often do uh, is the larger capacitors, they glue them to the board so they don't come loose when they're um, when they're being transported. I think nasty. I think they do do that on co on some of the cocos. It'll be yeah, like have... sort of a yellow brown color. So yeah. I can I can now use that excuse for my wife. I can say, listen, those stains in my underwear, that's glue that my capacitor is not <laughs> leaking. So <laughs> that's the installation glue. Yeah. Oh, oh. oh, things just turned, took a dark turn. I'm glad we're not a lunchtime there. show. Yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> lunchtime here. All right. So we are going to take a commercial break. Then we're going to come back. We've got a brand new Coco Thoughts. We've got some game on results. We've got. We're going to talk about the game of the week. We're going to talk about next week's game of the week. We're going to hear about Nicholas Marentes's new uh, Rally SG release that just dropped like it was hot this week. All this and more on Coca Talk. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back after these words. Coca Talk will return after these messages. Un ordinateur couleur qui a de la personnalité. Le Coco 2 de Radio Sac. On solde pour Noël à partir de 149,95. And now, Coco Thoughts by Samuel Gimes. If you're using your color computer in Quebec, and it stops working, is it now a Coco won't do? Hi, Ron Delvo, Timberman, Coco Fest, Coco Talk. In a world where RGB produces black and white video, One cable can make a difference. Switcheroo. Coco3scartcable.com Hey, have you got your Coco 3 yet? Hi, this is Rick Adams, author of Temple of Rom and Shanghai, and you've tuned into Coco Talk nation's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer. What's going on everybody? Original Gamer Stevie Stroh here and if you're a fan of vintage computing and retro gaming then you're going to love our retro swag shop at 8bit256.com There you will find custom designs by Instagram artist Joel M. Adams. You can get I'm a Coconut, Coco Talk and other cool video game images on a t-shirt coffee mug or mouse pack so if you love retro then head on over to the retro swag shop at 8bit256.com today. Tell them the Original Gamer Stevie Stroh sent you. Radio Shack's store-wide manager's red tag sale is on now. 
We've slashed prices 20%, 30%, 40%, 50%. Save on famous Radio Shack Hi-Fi, car stereo, radios, toys, TV games, calculators, walkie-talkies, and CB radios. Look for the big red tag. Save like never before on these and literally hundreds of red tag specials. Hurry into Radio Shack today. Hi, this is Randy Kindig of the Foppy Days Podcast. I just love me some cocoa, and nobody covers it better than Steve Strobridge. You're listening to Cocoa Talk. And now, party-approved Cocoa Thoughts with Comrade <laughs> Gaines. <laughs> In Soviet Russia, Tetris Block <laughs> drop you... <laughs> oh, uh, I wasn't sure if that was. I wasn't sure if we were if it was going to be another musical or not. So I wasn't quite sure there. Comrade Gimes, Comrade Gimes. <laughs> Samuel has outdone himself again. Nick Morota, are you ready? I am ready. All right, let her roll. High score challenge. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Game On Results. We had a, an excellent week this week with 26 participants. Tim Ellerin, 1188. R.L. Murphy, 1257. Mikey, 2200. Mark B, 2606. Ryan Shubring, 2620. Just Mike, 3157. McGowan, 3245. Mr. Dave, 3346. Ben VR Drake, 3456. Al Hartman, welcome, 3611. Ken Reichardt, 3792. Jellio, 3810. Tom C, 4247. Scott Wentz, 4264. Uh, Dave Croker, 4388. Tim Rye, 5002. Kazmash, 100. Bryza, 5434. Me, 5672. Canadian Retro Things, 6039, very close. Alpin Grice, 6123. Butterball, 6273. Diego, 6637. Paul Shoemaker, 6930, also close. David O'Connor, 7057. And the winner was Frodo with 6239. So thank you for this. Uh, we had a really great turnout. I was very, uh, very happy to see that. And that's, that the is, you, that's the music you didn't hear while playing the Coco version. That is some wicked, <laughs> wicked music there, Nick Marotta. Thank you. So, uh, yes, this is just off the Wikipedia page. You can see the Coco version is listed as an official Tetris uh, variant, which is big news for the Coco because we didn't have a whole lot of officially licensed games. Uh, Rainbow, uh, the review for it was favorable if you buy Tetris. Yeah, and you have nothing. Uh, then your job is anyway. It's very addictive, and we saw people in the in the uh, this week saying the same thing. Uh, there's our top score from the Rainbow Days, ninety-one ten. And uh, are you sharing because we can't see anything you're looking at? Are you using? Oh my gosh. Your, are you using your imagination at this point? I am. Or, uh, Just picture it in your <laughs> yeah. mind. As you yeah. as you can't see here. <laughs> it's all right. We can see that hat fine. Yes. All right. There we go. Sorry about that, guys. I totally blanked. That's okay. 
David, I'll fix it. You had a very respectable finish there, bud. Oh, Tetris is absolutely addictive to me. I love it. All right. So the Wikipedia entry, and you can see we're listed in there. Rainbow Review, and there's the score 9110 from back in the day. Okay. So this week's gameplay. Turner Heights. Gameplay uh, footage is courtesy of Frodo. So uh, this is the Coco 2 mode, which most people played in. I was surprised. Uh, we had a lot more Coco 2 uh, uh, submissions than Coco 3. Uh, the games were identical in either either platform. Right, and we have, what, 26 players? 26 players, which I thought was Yeah, really that's great. good. That's good. And uh, we, had, we had like three new people this week. Uh, Al Hartman was one of them. And we had a couple of new people as well. So thank you for joining us. And uh, yeah, so so you guys who played, what did you think? Loved it. Me, <laughs> I loved it too. <laughs> it's a good I'd... version. We um, we found out that if you had to score preview, uh, the, the set preview, sorry, the piece preview on, that really affected your score. So you want to turn that off if you care about. Yeah, that. I had no idea about that until you let us into that technique. That was uh, a good. What the heck tip. is he doing here? Making and shapes. This... The scoring, it was very different from any of the versions I've seen. It's a very low-scoring game. Um, yeah, I'm not sure what his technique here is, but, uh, but yeah. He's, um, yeah. <laughs> Don't worry, neither what is he. What is he doing? He's, he's, doing, doing, he's doing something <laughs> a little fancy. Yes, he is. <laughs> you drop as, uh, yeah, if you drop as many pieces as you can before you actually um, create, uh, uh, remove lines, you get a better score. Because when you drop the pieces, you get score for each piece you dropped, but, and it doesn't increase the speed. So by by stacking up as many pieces as you can before you remove lines, you're right. maximizing your score before it gets faster. Right. So we noticed with this version, uh, once you drop a piece, it drops. There's some versions of Tetris that you can start dropping it fast and then make it stop dropping and tuck it, in, tuck it into bottom. But this version, once you start dropping it, it was going down. So if you wanted okay. to... Uh, Tucking at the bottom, you had to kind of wait for it to get to the bottom, which was uh, tuck and roll. Tuck and roll. David, does does version play from the bottom up? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had to stand on my head to play it. Drop <laughs> <laughs> it like it's hot. Yeah. Is Mark Bosley here? We had a little bit of an adventure this week with. Uh, yeah, I'm here. I don't know if you want to talk about it or not, but uh, with the composite. Uh... Well, we went. Uh... Uh, essentially, we spent an evening going down a rabbit hole. <laughs> um, so what we were getting was uh, uh, in with the Coco Three. Uh, if you were using the, uh, um, say, the switcheroo cable uh, type with a uh, scar converter, uh, when you normally run it, you'd get these odd glitches happening, especially when it cleared the uh, uh, bottom row or cleared a row. And it would cause the uh, uh, on-screen display of the converter to pop up. <clears throat> and a second uh, computer I tested didn't do that. So we've had to figure, well, it had to be something hardware-wise because one works great, others don't. So other people said it was working good and they weren't having the issue. So Other people after... did have the issue too, though. Catlord had the issue. Yeah, some had the issue, some didn't. Uh, so after tearing apart 
both the cocoa trees I had, trying to f- swap things around to figure out what component it might be. Did you recap either one of them? <laughs> <laughs> both had been recapped in the past. Okay. <laughs> Step one, um, recap. Precautionary recap. Mm-hmm. When in doubt, recap. So then, um, so we were on Discord all uh, uh, trying to figure it out. And then uh, uh, Nick Morentes comes on and says, oh, just press the M key. Which, which changes the mo- which changes the monitor mode from Compositor GB, or one, or the other way around. We couldn't well, figure yeah. out which one was which. <laughs> but the, this, I mean, the game was obviously doing something funky with the composite signal. It was or composite, sorry. The game was obviously yeah. messing around with the composite signal and uh, causing some glitches somewhere. So by the way, I'm yeah. noticing a much more manly hairstyle in you right now, Nick Morota. You're less luxurious, <laughs> but you're much I more know. much more masculine now. I miss my ponytail. You are much more striking now. Very Arnold Schwarzenegger esque there. Am I as dreamy though? That's my that was my concern. I I I liked being dreamy. So I feel you I feel you're more commanding. That's oh, okay. a haircut you can set your watch to. Well, you know what? I'm I'm, I'm happy with that. Thank you for uh, for reassuring me. It was a big decision to get. Very it back, so. actually, I'm trying to decide. It's more you're more Dolph Lundgren at this point. Dolph Grun- Lundgren Ooh. and Rocky three, right? So or four, wow. I remember? Yeah. So. So, so anyway, the moral of the story is yes. Please continue. RTFM. <laughs> RTFM, huh? Well, the funny thing was at the beginning of the evening, Mark's like, I'm not going to investigate this. I'm not going to waste time. Blah, blah, blah. And next thing you know, he's got two computers apart. Nothing's working anymore. And <laughs> yeah, Hours later. You know, such as such is what we do on Discord. It's just a you know big load of nonsense. So, But it was educational. That was fun. It no, was, it an, e- it was an evening. It turned out to be nothing a- hardware-wise at all. It was just how it was programmed. Well, it was doing something funky with joint with keyboard too. Yeah, so it, it was it was probably either. flashing the screen, and because the SCART to HDMI converter is looking for a specific frequency, anytime it switched frequencies, the adapter lost sync or signal or something like that temporarily. And and I've noticed that too. Like when I go from like the Coco SDC and I go to launch a game, sometimes it'll it'll switch modes for a second, and it takes what feels like two to three seconds sometimes for that. HDMI converter to like lock onto the signal. Well, what, it, uh, what it, was, it was like the comp- uh, composite was like almost almost turned off because you got some really funky colors. When uh, you're in RGB mode, the, yeah. the the default startup, it would uh, on the Coco it'll output RGB and composite at the same time. So when it was, when you're in RGB mode, it set the RGB palette, but it set the composite mode to be monochrome. It actually turned off the color burst for the composite. Oh, I don't know why. That's, yeah, that's and, what threw it yeah, off. and they did. He did that, uh, and I don't know why. And obviously, your SCART thing uh, didn't like that. Well, it's using the yeah. composite for the sync. Well, oh, yeah, I don't okay. know. So yeah, screwing with the sync when it does that. It's doing something yeah. weird. I don't know why he switched on the monochrome mode. There was no need. Yeah, that's a good other. Yeah, yeah. One thing I did find was um, I played it on my I got the highest my highest score I got on my Coco One, um, but I played it on my Coco Three as well. And I actually like the Coco. <laughs> this is one area where I like the Coco Three's arrow layout. This for Tetris, it actually works better. Uh, usually, he, I don't yeah. like the the arrow layout on the on the Coco Three, but this was an exception. Yeah, unless you use the JKL keys, which was another. There's a couple of different control schemes, but. Yeah, if you like using the arrows, then yeah, the Coco Three would be uh, would be better. Mm-hmm. 
Cool. It was a lot easier to, to press the right keys without accidentally dropping a piece and think, I didn't want that button. <laughs> I'm killing your high score. So uh, thanks for who, I can't remember who was that suggested it, but somebody it said, probably you David Tetris, if you ever made Tetris the game of the week, I'd be all over that. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. So Yeah, that was me. <laughs> oh, okay, perfect. And it ended up being a great week. So uh, thanks to everybody who took part. And any other last comments before you move on? There was uh, somebody was asking if they were wondering if the uh, game was rushed somewhat because it's, you know, the scoring is different than pretty well every other version. Um, you know, little I would imagine because I think it was one of the first games that was out uh, for the Coco Three. Now um, it's programmed by Greg Zumwalt, whom we've actually talked about before, and we I, we will probably want to get him back on for a sequel interview. But that might be a question to to ask him personally. Like, was this a game that was rushed, and then you didn't have time to actually play the real thing to see, you know, how the other platforms worked or something? I mean, the gameplay itself was pretty good, but the scoring was way off, and the um, I mean, you know, it lacked some music and stuff, which I don't know could have been possibly done. I don't know, but but I mean, as far as Tetris goes, it was it's still it was an enjoyable game. Uh, I, I I like playing it, and uh, so I just I I never I never played this version. I I, I did want to at least try it this week. I just kind of got busy. But I remember one of the things that John Strong was mentioning because John Strong has a Tetris clone called Soviet Block, and yeah, Coco Three One. Yeah. yeah, and I think one of the things that he had mentioned was one of the quotes from Marty Goodman was when somebody says, you know, is there a, is there a Tetris game? For the Coco and, and Marty Goodman had said, "Well, you don't need Tetris when you have Soviet blocks." So, according to him, he's saying that uh, John Strong's Tetris is the best Tetris ever made for the Coco. I haven't seen that one either. I would like to see that. Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen so, that. Um, yeah, there's multiple ones. Chet Simpson has one too called Tetra, I think, and there's a bunch. There's probably about at least half a dozen that I know of. There's a few on the Coco STC image. Yeah, I just there's like a few the that fact... you know change the gameplay a bit too. There's one I just put up on my games page, like I think last month that force feeds them out from the left-hand side from this little block column before it gets to the square area. Ah. And you can't move it left and right. You have to let it push it. And you have to decide when to drop it instead, which makes the gameplay quite different when you actually get to it, even though the game is basically Tetris. Yeah. Yeah, I was never a big fan of Tetris. I mean, when it first came out, it was neat. But to me, it seemed like a novelty act. I guess, you know, everybody has their own thing. A game I actually really liked back in the day on the Sega Genesis was Columns, which is a similar concept. You have a block of three different colored gems, and you had to kind of rotate the order of them and stack them up and get rows of colors and diagonal and stuff. I don't know why, but that game appealed to me at the time. But Tetris never really stuck to me in any way. Yeah, And John Strong has a version of that as well. Yeah, <laughs> gems, right? And Gems too. He's got two of them actually. Okay. Well, I like the fact that we had an officially licensed game because I haven't been through Coco Two gaming where it was all full of uh, sneakily named, subtly changed named clones. Having real uh, licensed games with Coco Three, I thought it was really. You mean there was an official arcade game that said "bad" or "big fat guy eating hamburger"? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or "berserk with an S" or whatever. <laughs> So, yeah, so I really like the fact that it was a, a licensed, um, you know, Coco's getting some some recognition or whatever. With, some of those uh, variations were kind of cool, too. Yeah, I like the idea. See, so, to me, the whole idea, like what Curtis just mentioned, like a Tetris where you've got these little curveballs that are thrown at you where you throw a couple monkey wrenches into the mix, that would make it interesting. You know, when you have now you have some strategies and game me mechanics to deal with other than just repeating patterns. 
Um, you know, I'm I'm not a puzzle. I'm I'm to me I'm it's all arcade. It's arcade. It's action. It's shooting. It's you know that's what you know sh- fast moving shiny objects are what I'm more interested in. So it's just you know yeah. If they added lasers to Tetris. Lasers that would be to awesome. Tetris. Yeah, that's kind of that's what made Arkanoid cool. Arkanoid is basically breakout in space when you think about it, right? So yes, they made it cool, right? Added freaking lasers to it. So laser Tetris. <laughs> that might everything's be a thing. better with lasers. Yeah, everything's better with lasers. So. I'm waiting for Dungeons of Daggerath with lasers. With so I can lasers. Take that wizard out from a long distance. <laughs> pew, 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 pew. <laughs> buy that. So, yeah. Neat. Well, again, thanks, guys, for the for the turnout this week. And it's it's just really fun to play with uh, with all of you and see uh, new people join in that. So. And yeah. my apologies. I was going to, like Stevie, I was going to try to throw in one, but I got a little bit too busy during the week, too. And. You know, by yesterday evening when I finally would have had time, I was busy hunting down stories. But just to show you that, how it resonated, we had 26 players in this game. I think with Ganabwana, which wasn't an action arcade game, there was only about 22 players. So more yeah. people joined this week for the casual game than the action game. So, you know, so every- I really rotate them. I mean, you know, there's going to be games that people like and games that people don't. And that's that's totally great. Oh, Frodo says that the game Gant- Gantlet was completely original, Curtis. So, <laughs> oh, yeah, obviously, <laughs> <laughs> no cheesy clone there, right? So, um, yeah, and that's the thing is that you know everybody's got their own styles and tastes and preferences, and some people are not in. I saw, I'm I'm assuming that there were some people who maybe never would have gotten to the game on because they're not into arcade games, right? So, I don't want to play this or I don't want to play Donkey King, but you know, so you know, everybody's got their own, uh, you know. I'm still waiting for Nick to put the first adventure game on. Yes, uh, we got to find one that has some level of scoring, and I think most yes. do. Most do. You have to find treasures, which are certain yeah. points. And yeah. Yes, I'm definitely open to that. Yeah. All right. So, with that, should I, are you ready for me to announce next week's game? Um, I am waiting with bated breath. So, uh, because this was supposed to be the Coco 3 game and more people played Coco 2, I decided to bump up the Coco 3 game. So, next week will actually be a Coco 3 game. And I'm not expecting anybody to recognize the screenshot, except maybe, actually, Curtis will. But, uh, recognize that? Oh, yeah. Crystal City? Oh, very good. That's right. Next week's game will be Crystal City. So, we did Xenix a few weeks ago uh, by Jeremy. And now this is the follow-up to Xenix. Um, I don't know if it's a follow-up in terms of plot, but it's a follow-up in terms of in terms of uh, release. So uh, yeah, Crystal City. So this is going to be a bit. Can of a I just tricky... use that score and be lazy? <laughs> <laughs> right now, eighteen four eighty-eight is the score to beat. <laughs> so yeah, I think you be... should submit that one. So there's going to be a bit of a trick to loading this one in SDC. This is a multi-floppy game, so you're going to have to uh, uh, load the use the multi-floppy um, capabilities of the SDC. It's in the manual, and, and we'll be able to help you guys. Trick out. is to load the folder, not the individual mount, floppy. Mount the folder, mount and the then folder. you can press the button. And to... you may have to rename the files, because the files have to be renamed something one, something two. And yeah, remember to rename auto-bass to auto-exec-bass. It's a simple two-step process. And also recapping might be necessary. Re- yeah, uh, preemptive recap <laughs> might, might help this out. So yeah, this is just all the different levels, and uh... it's a it's a horizontal scroller, kind of like the, just like Xenix was super fast paced. This is a fast it's a fast version of Scramble, actually. Yeah, very it's fast paced, very flashy, color flashy, palette flashy. So Stevie, you were saying you like this the the fast action games. This is definitely a fast action arcade. Pew games. pew 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 pew. Those graphics yeah. are fantastic. 
They are. Oh yeah, he pushed the. Uh, yeah, because when you look at because like we, when we've been doing the palette hacks and I look at the lame sixty four colors we have to choose from, I'm thinking, my God, these are half these colors suck. Why do they even exist? But somehow, guys like this take those shitty colors and make something good out of them. It's like, wow, this is this looks really good, man. Yeah, I like okay, it. Okay, so to get the game. Uh, Mark, I gave you the URL. Just go to that URL. And, uh, that's one place you can get Already it. Already posted. On, it's also on uh, on Curtis's site. And like I said, when you get the zip file for Crystal City, you're going to want to rename the files so that they're uh, Crystal 1 and Crystal 2. I think they're called Levels and something else. Right. So you want to rename Levels to be Crystal 2. So that way the SDC will know which disk is which. Yeah, make sure the entire file name does not exceed eight characters, right? So it's Coco SDC is still running on that 8.3 naming it does convention. Work, it does work in VCC. You'll have to load the first floppy image. And then when it mm. tells you to insert the levels disk, you just go and re, uh, you remap your floppy to the second floppy. And, right. and this is Jeremy's website, right? This is GoSub software, gosub.com yes. slash Coco. So this yep, is from yes. the author's website, which obviously means he's giving his blessings for people to download and use this. So, yep. Oh, yeah, this is totally... This no is totally... piracy here. No. Yep. I want to mention something for people that are playing the game for the first time, too. Um, aside from it being Scramble, where you fly in one direction side, where there's six different levels. Um, two things, actually, two things I'll mention. One, the parachutes are fuel. Don't shoot them. You have to collect them. Okay. And that's actually one of the hard parts of the game because when you get a ton of you know helicopters and everything else coming at you, you tend to just rapid fire everything. You'll just shoot all your parachutes and never get fuel, and you'll, you'll die because you run out of fuel, which is what your shields are based on. And also on later levels, the game has deformable terrain, which means if you shoot a hole in the mountain, you can fly through it. And on later levels, that's absolutely necessary. So a couple of little tips of uh, just how to play the game. Neat. All right, so hopefully you guys have fun with that one this week, and uh, and uh, until next Friday evening at 11 p.m. Film at 11. There we go. Okay. So that's it for the Game On segment, uh, but we're also now we're going to talk about uh, this week we had a, a new game drop by our, our friend Nicholas Morentes, and that's Rally SG. So, uh, Nick, if you want to, I don't know if you want to go ahead and talk about it or... Uh, well, yeah, Rally SG is a, a game that's based on uh, Rally X in the arcades where you uh, drive around in a, in a maze uh, and you have to drive around to collect the flags. There's 10 flags to collect, uh, which are those yellow dots on the screen. Uh, but there are uh, these other red cars that are chasing you and, uh, and depending on the level, you get either two red cars on a, on a maze after you or four or up to six and um, basically that's it it's a collect the flag type car race game and uh, it does have um, a, a challenge mode uh, some of the levels where you don't get <clears throat> any red cars chasing you but you've got a timer whereby you've got a certain time that you've got to get the flags but uh, on on the right there's a radar that shows you uh where the flags are and where the uh, red cars are. Uh, the challenge mode, the radar is turned off and you have to find the flags. So that's a and bit a of time a time limit. <laughs> and a time limit. Yeah, that's right. Now, on the screen that you're showing there, Nick, the uh, the radar on the right's not working correctly because um, I had oh, to see, use I see it. it. Yeah, yeah I, 
you see it there, but for it doesn't me it looks come fine. through on Discord. Yeah, on Discord it doesn't work out very well. Um, but on the radar, it shows you the uh, red cars as a black dot, the flags as a dark blue dot, and the cyan big dot is uh, is you. Yeah, some have but, kind of a, some have kind of like a flashy effect, and then others are solid. So that's how you can tell. The yeah, well, on a, on a proper monitor, the the flashing is so fast that the black ends up looking like a dark blue. That was the effect I was going for. Yeah, this is because I, I'm using. that that mode you can't have two more than uh, one color per byte. So the way to simulate the uh, additional colors was to flash a black very fast, uh, black and blue. And you know, I made a dark dark blue, so like an extra color. But uh, yeah, ah. transmitting it over Discord, it doesn't show that very well. Yeah, the game runs much smoother in real life than you're probably seeing on the stream right now. Yeah. Did you yeah. mention that the button releases uh, smoke? That's oh, yeah. Well, th right, right. There's no guns or or any shooting in this game, but you do have smoke because in, in the, your car, like a real car, has fuel, which is the, the yellow bar on the right. And the longer you drive around, you know, your, your car's consuming fuel. And there's plenty of fuel to go around. But the thing is, you've got the ability to, th to, to throw smoke behind you. And when you do that, you do burn more fuel. But the smoke is very um, handy because you use that to um, confuse the red cars. They tend to turn around and go back. So if you if one of the one of the tactics of the game is to use the smoke to control the red cars I essentially. <laughs> so you can actually can divert. And, yeah, you can divert and control the red cars to a degree by um, putting smoke in certain areas. So there's a, there's a few tactics to do it. But, You've also uh, got your orange flag too that actually increases the value of the other flags if you can. Yeah, find of early. of the ten there flags you've got so to get, go there's, right there's one that's ah. orange, and uh, getting that as soon as you get that, all the uh, subsequent flags uh, are worth more points. So, so obviously awesome you get you get the orange flag if you can first or as early as you can, and then all the future points are, are higher. And uh, there is also a bonus depending on how long you take to complete the level. There's a bonus uh, depending on how much fuel you have left at the end of the level as well. So is it's very similar. To, is there a way to get? Is there a way to get more fuel on on a certain level no, if you're you no. running low? Okay. Yeah. No, no. So you got that one fuel supply. Uh, yep. If you get caught by a red car or you run out of fuel, uh, then well you you lose that car and you get another car and it has a fuel full tank of fuel. Kind of um, reminds so me of Megabug a little bit because you can kind of get stuck in a, in a dead end spot, you know? Well, sort of, yeah. There, oh, there's, there's no actually actual... a dead end. Okay. There no isn't any. Yeah. Uh, there's no later well, levels though, isn't there? I'm trying to remember. There might be. See, one thing with your car, your car always moves. You can't actually stop. So if you're not um, controlling uh, the car with your joystick, the car will go by itself. And when it hits a, hits a wall, it'll, it'll always turn right. Uh, if you let go of the, uh, the joystick, Nick, you'll just see the car just yeah. goes by I'm not, itself. I'm not, oh, see, I wasn't touching it. And then it yeah. So, so this is not NASCAR because NASCAR is always turning left. Yeah. <laughs> 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 and, that, and that's how the original arcade game was as well. So, yeah. Yeah. so hey, Stevie, have you have you ever thought about going left, Stevie? Uh, I, I tell you what, I'm going to go left. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so basically it, it's a Rally X clone from the arcade, but it does have some unique stuff to it that's not in Rally X that you know makes it a little bit more original. 
Yeah, I love the colors. I love the graphics mode. And there's different mazes on the levels, so I mean, as you progress, you get totally different. This collision detection is working great. That's what I'm testing. Collision detection is working fantastic. Nick Rantis, Frodo wants to know: Does it have the L flag? Uh, no, 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 it doesn't. And Ken says it needs lasers. <laughs> that's, that's version 1.1, right? Well, that's, that's right. You always need lasers. Are there any couches that we can collide with? No, and I told uh, Ken that is that uh, the only <laughs> thing it's missing is furniture. <laughs> it, it, have, it, have it to differentiate it. the product lines. Yeah. Well, that, that, that would right. make it a simulation as opposed to just a game. Yeah, then, that's right. You're... That's right, yeah. Nick, what does the SG stand for? The what? SG. SG. Uh, semi-graphics. So oh. it's it yeah. Instead of being called Rally X like in the arcade, I decided to call it Rally SG because it uses the Same. color computer uh, SG graphics mode to, in order to get the extra co- the well the eight colors because I wanted okay. this to be a color Very a colorful. color game, and it works on every Coco. It works on a Coco one, a Coco two, even a Coco three, and a Dragon as long as you have a minimum of sixty four k of RAM. And next week, MC10. Next week, MC10. Oh, oh, so <laughs> Ken Reichert says he told you if you included furniture, he'd take you to Kangaroo Court. So <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Ken's got the, uh, the, the, the license for the furniture, yeah. not me. Are the locations uh, of the pickups, are they randomized or are they always in the random, same spot? Yeah, okay. yeah, the flags are generally random. That's okay, right. So, so you got to hunt it, them down. Every level will be... Will, pretty well different every time yeah that's what makes a challenging change so challenging because you have 100 seconds basically or 100 timer blocks to try to find them all and you don't have radar on that level so it's yeah, really hard to find radar them. on that level so it's yeah so yeah that's right you can play one level and uh the the flags might be fairly close together and the level's easier uh but the next level they'll be all over the place and you've got no idea and you have to find them and you just can't complete it same Are with the cars. Any, uh... Are there any pit stops where you can go and pick up some donuts? No, no. <laughs> oh, uh, petrol stations. So why would playing. <laughs> There's no petrol stations. Why would there be a Why would there be a donut place? That's well, just. Maybe, I like it. I, maybe I there's a to segue it. to Donut <laughs> Dilemma. Yeah. Yeah. I just no, I just played Nick, it a little bit before the show. It's really fun. Nick, Nick, I, you know people are, are yeah. interested in the game here. Where do they go to order it, and how much does it cost, and what format is it available in? My website. If you go to now, it's www.nickmarentes or one word, n i c k m a r e n t e s dot com. That'll take you to the uh, well, a menu screen, and you can well, there's there's the website, and you can go to the Rally SD website, and it just talks about it there. There's a PayPal little video. Link. There's a PayPal there's button. There's a PayPal right there. link. Yep, and uh, I put a button on there like. Uh, Jason suggested yesterday. Thanks mm-hmm. for that, Jason. It's so much better. <laughs> yeah. Instead of having uh, to send five an, bucks for a digital, instead download. of having to send a PayPal to Nick at Marentes that Opus that AU that US that FU that you can just click on the kangaroo, button. right? And you get a binary version to type in as well. That's it. Yeah, you can type in the well, binary. The game, the game is a digital download, so uh, it, it's, it's it's only five dollars US, so it's a it's a low cost title. And uh, yeah, I'll email you the files. And the files you'll get, you'll get a DSK and a VDK, both uh, disk images, 
Did we say where it's on Dragon? That's very. That's, uh, yes, uh, that. the DSKs are on the Coco, and the VDK is used on the Dragons. So, so there's, a new game for there's the Dragon that. people too. There's also a CAS file, uh, which emulators such as well VCC you can use it, and so does XRAW, and possibly MAME. I've never tried it. Um, but there's also a WAV file on the uh, that I send as well. So for anyone who only has a cassette or tape-only based COCO, uh, you can take the WAV file and record it to a real cassette. Just play the uh, WAV file on your PC or Mac, record it onto a cassette, and the, there it is. You've got a cassette-based program that you can load in with the Clodem and be up and running that way. Or just plug the headphone jack into your phone if it has one and just play or the that, file yeah, on your phone. Or that, right. yeah, that's right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had, uh, I had really good luck. I, I did the same thing with one of those cassettes that I recently got on eBay. Ah, yes, that's right. <laughs> yeah, and it worked really well. Yeah, the old up and real I, ones. I can I can hear a commercial right now. If you paid five dollars, you paid yeah, too much. Really well. <laughs> <laughs> well, Nick, is this uh, this is five dollars US? But if you live in Australia, it's free. <laughs> I haven't made any any. Dip. I just say five dollars US, and I <laughs> yeah, it's just five dollars US. Time. <laughs> Keep it simple. Yeah, in Australia, I don't want you, too you, much, Matt. Yeah, in Australia, you can pay him in kangaroo dung. So, send him a tinny, you're good. <laughs> Matt, do you Matt, have any plans on my... releasing this on a hardware format later, like some of the other games you've done on CDs and stuff? Or... I might later on as a uh, part of a compilation, but uh, I thought this time around, especially also the fact that the postal services might be a bit slow at the moment with the right. coronavirus. I thought rather than have people wait like with gunstar a couple of people uh well one person in particular waited four months for the cd to come in wow because of uh, the you know all the delay because it was right in the middle of the coronavirus stuff mm. so i thought well just in case I don't, i'll avoid it and i'll just make it a five dollar download and you end up getting it pretty well straight away i monitor it i monitor the uh the payments uh, pretty well every you know, half hour or so so if you put an order in for five bucks uh, in the, within the next hour or so, I'll I'll have sent you the files and you can be up and playing. Yeah, his his uh, email ringtone goes cha-ching. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Actually, that and brings up my all... last question, which is, do you think this is a one or two Ferrari game? Uh, well, 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 as I've told the other people, I've, I've got three Ferraris already from my previous uh, mega sales. And uh, if I yeah, <laughs> save up enough, I'll get four. And with four Ferraris, I can strap two of them each on each shoe, on the bottom of my shoes. And, <laughs> and then I'll have roller skates. <laughs> I want to see Ferrari the video skates. of you riding that. That's what yeah. I want to see. <laughs> right, we, okay, we, we need to shift gears here just for a second because Nick Morota, he's always going to be dreamy to us. But let's just remind everybody that Nick Morota, um, you know, That's even without shirt. his dreamy hair, he's uh, you. Oh, you guys can't see him right now. Uh, here we I go. Sorry about that. God, eh? <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. But yeah, so Nick Morota is always going to be dreamy Nick to us, and when he's not dreamy Nick, he is also the smooth Canadian. So I just want to remind you guys all about that. So. Uh, sorry about that. Hey, Nico. Oh, that's okay. And one more quick thing just before we forget. Uh, two weeks time, bomb threat. There's still time yes. to pick up a copy. Yep, yep. Yeah. Is that what you're going to remind me? My... Yeah, oh, thanks, Marco. You. You're on the ball. Yep. Exactly. So there's still time to pick up your copy of bomb threat if you're uh, hoping to take Unless part you're... with us in two weeks. 
unless you're in Australia, in which case you're out of luck because of the coronavirus getting yes. stuff over there. It takes yeah, two if months. you're in North America, you should be okay. <laughs> yeah, I have my new cartridge I got from the People have been Lanshark. ordering cartridges and discs again this week, so people are still getting getting their versions in. So thanks to Neil right. and uh, to uh, Rick Adams' service for getting those out. Yeah, Evan Wright was out there saying he ordered one he's going to show off in his classroom. So Evan teaches computer science to, like, high school kids, and so um, that'd be, and he incorporates retro stuff in his curriculum a lot. So... That'd be kind of cool to have some uh, some of the Utes. And he writes retro games too. I mean, he, he writes, just released yeah. uh, mm-hmm. Monster Maze there last Yeah, last which show. I also have my cartridge here, Evan. Hey, if, hey Nick. If I ever I see you idea. again, I want an autograph, Evan. <laughs> Nick uh, Marentes, I got an idea yeah. for you for uh, uh, your next game. And it would oh, yeah. be like, um, yeah, remember the old game where the body is laying there and you take uh and you try to do operations. Operations, yeah. Marcus Scully, yeah. this Mission. could be like the oh, coronavirus. Yeah. You know, where you're going in trying to get the coronavirus out of Out the of the operation, huh? Mm. A very uh, topical uh, game it would be, too. Yeah, extremely. yeah it would I'll be. Touch the sides. Okay. You, you can add light it. pen support, too, while you're at it. You have to there play you go. With the mask. <laughs> play with the mask. Yeah, Thank you game. for the new game, Nick. And There's does that mean part- if... Instead of a smart bomb, I just use a disinfectant. Yeah. yeah. Be a light ball. Spray. And sanitizer. <laughs> Bring some bleep. Uh, you know, like when the bomb blows up on uh, Zaxxon? Yeah. 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 The corona's everywhere. <laughs> oh, well, we're not doing panel introductions anymore, are we? We're, we're on. I don't know what that is. Thanks, everybody. Thank right. you, Nick. All right. Thank you, I'm Curtis, just... for. Uh, Handling the interview part. We'll fix it in post. Don't yeah, worry. We'll Steve. fix it in post. We'll fix. We'll do it live. All right. So uh, we'll probably take one more break and we'll come back for uh, updates and acquisitions. If anybody's got some show and tell, be ready to show. Be ready to tell after these words. We're gonna. We're gonna. We gotta decide what commercial do we want to run right now. We've run Fletcher. We've run Coco Do. Have we run? Uh, Have TV we paid games. too much? Have we paid too much? <laughs> We've run the David Ladd commercial already. I want I want TV games. Where's my TV games? Where the hell is just, it? You know, I have a little bit of game on news too. You will just put it at the very end, I think. Oh, okay. There we go. Here he is. All right. So we're gonna. Oh, so well, then let's do that now, Curtis. And then we'll take our break. If you got game on news, go ahead and do the game oh, on news. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. Game on. I've stopped sharing. <laughs> Okie dokie. Yeah, and thanks for that awesome game, Nick. I, I got it from you last night. Oh, I, have, nice. I haven't looked at it yet. I can't wait to play it. And speaking of Mr. Evan Wright there, um, who's going to yes. be showing off the game that Nick did, he's actually done an updated version of Flood It. Ooh. And he's got a little video kind of explaining some of the things. That, and most of it's cosmetic things just to make it look a bit better. It's got some sound additions. Okay. Um, it's got some more animated sequences because basically the original so version show you some updates uh, basically just, you know, that, uh, slams the painting on her. Now it actually slows it down so, so it looks like a painting uh, effect. Fireworks in the background, that's, that's why. Um, using something called a DFS so or a depth a first search. And I'm, like it doesn't all fill in immediately. It kind of fills in um, kind of gradually. You can watch the actually, I enjoyed this game. As much as I don't like puzzle games that much, I enjoyed Flood It. Yeah, this is fun. The more it... Yeah. It has to do, the more you can actually so I don't know if there's going to be a new uh, cartridge release because this was a cartridge game too, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's just, it was. It, it was being provided as a cartridge, but I think he also made a uh, ROM file available from his blog site if you wanted one. 
Okay, but yeah, I do. I do like the kind of painting effect of it. Yeah, that's neat. Yeah, it looks better than that instant flash. Yeah, because Centrelink is too quick for a game like this. And right now, I have it hard coded to, to, so the game only goes ten moves. So many. Evan's actually in the chat right now. So many of the questions about this game, or if they don't have it yet, they can contact him for details. Yeah. Evan, send but... send me the binary. I want to play it. Yeah, I want to play it. I've got the sea source for the public. Okay, so what I've done here is I've got a game that I'm about to win. So I'm just gonna. Anyway, I won't play the whole thing. It's. Well, let's hear let's hear the game over sound. Yeah, turn it up a little bit so we can hear it. Little improvement here. So let me fill this in with green. White, and then finally the last. Oh, to my. Uh... All right, so there's the original. You know, the music hasn't changed. I've repositioned the victory screen, and now if I try to um, do a new game here, I just hit, hit any key, and I'll just kind of. There you go. So. Neat um, transition. Just kind of does a wipe. Or a I like this. I like. Just, yeah. just looks cool. So, flushed it, flushed um, it out and fancy it up basically. It's not like a new, totally new game. Um, I was thinking about changing, having some sort of title music. It just, ugh, just didn't really work. I couldn't get it to work artistically, make and make, uh, make a lot of sense. So I just kind of left it all out. But it wasn't for lack of trying. Um, so I don't know, just some some little bells and whistles. I like it. Thank you, Evan. The game a little bit. Thanks yeah. for thanks for what you do, sir. And guess who this MC10 game is made by? Uh, Nick Morota? <laughs> sure. It's not Rondell Vo. <laughs> <laughs> I cheated a bit here. I left his name on the bottom there of the video, if you can see it there. Oh, MC10 yeah, there edits by Jim Gary. Ah. <laughs> so basically, this is a Battleships type-in game from 1979 from a book, uh, Computing Today magazine, or magazine, I should say. November 1979 issue originally by uh, Ridgeway. And um, so he kind of you know, ported it over the MC10 like he standardly does. So it's a bit more graphical than the original text version. At first, Ooh. I thought it was just going to be like a battleship board game, but it's not. It's actually a little bit of an arcade game where you actually. Oh, it's kind of like the. Uh, yeah. Oh, that is neat. I like that. Oh. I like the animations. The ship gets vaporized. You sank my battleship. And so you're putting in a grid position and you don't know if you're going to hit it? or I don't, I'm sure it's a grid position or an angle thing. Or oh, okay, exactly. so it's like trajectory and whatnot. So. Oh. I'm going down. Oh, an interesting little game, and uh, yeah, obviously yeah. it can be easily ported to the Coco 2 because it's in basic. So. Boom. Boom. I like it. Very cool. He does some, speaking of semi-graphics, you know, he does some good stuff with that. Yeah, especially considering he's using the low semi-graphics modes, because yeah. I don't believe the MC-10 even supports the higher semi-graphics at all, does it? No, because no, there's no right. SAM. Yeah. All right, Reversi and Super Basic. I remember seeing this on Facebook. Neat. Yeah, so Jerry Stratton, if you remember from a couple months ago, he did Super Basic, which is kind of a modern-looking language that it then translates to color basic, extend color basic, disk basic, etc., so he took Reversi, which is basically an Othello-style game, and mm -hmm. he actually shows the actual modern language version of what the commands and stuff he did to write the game is. And he goes through and kind of explains how everything works, et cetera, and, you know, as he's programming little tricks and stuff. So it takes this here, and you run it through his little converter program, and it creates an actual extended basic source code that you, then you can put into the uh, Cocoa itself to run. So you can actually code in a modern style with outline numbers and mm -hmm. with, you know, you know, 
you know, loop constructs and everything else and actually make games. So this was an example game. We, we've shown it super basic before, and it's basically just been, you know, proof of concept type, you know, test code and stuff. This is the first actual full-blown game application done with it that translates it over. So those people that are more used to the modern languages and don't really want to delve back into the old color basic stuff, this is a way to write the color basic games using a modern language. And he's got it available for download too, if you want to grab it and take a look at both the original source code and also the actual uh, converted one. Neo likes it. Ah, <laughs> uh, there he is. It's Erico's smooth criminal er stuff. Erico is the wizard of semi-graphics for, I mean, he's, he's done stuff there I never would have even dreamed would have been possible. Right. He, 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 so he's been working on this uh, sort of karate style game. And this first animation here is showing a little bit of the animation of, of a, as it currently has it done. And I mean, there's a lot of limitations on this mode. I mean, you got nine colors to choose from, as Nick has mentioned, but you've got a, a block of two by two pixels that have to be black and one color only. You can't, you can't put two together. different colors. You can't put two, you can put one color in black next to each other, but you can't put two colors next to each other. Yeah. Yeah, very so that gets a bit complicated. Now he's done a, a later video showing some of the moves here, showing the four attack moves. And I don't know if this is going to work zoomed up because Facebook usually hates me when I do. Oh, it worked this time. No, but it's I think. not moving. Can you guys see it? No, it's not moving. Oh, okay. Ah, crap. That's not what I wanted to hit. <laughs> it's live. <laughs> we'll do it live. I'll just rewind it and let you watch the small version, I guess. Yeah, all I see is a white screen right now. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, let's see here. Mm -hmm. I see in the chat, people are putting their orders in for uh, Rally yeah. SG. Let's try that again. Okay. Can you see that? Yeah, we can see it now. Yeah, so we can't really make we can't make it any bigger, but we'll we'll get the idea here. We'll First post, world problems. We'll post the link for those who want to see it on Facebook. Yeah, Facebook's video is weird because it does it every once in a while, but not all the time. I don't understand it, but. Pachoo, pachoo, pow, pow, pow. Oh, kick, 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 kick. Ooh, <laughs> jump, kick, jump, and kick. Oh, man, this is these that's, animations. That's impressive for, for that. I mean, it's amazing. <laughs> oh, freaking yeah. 64 by 32. I love that. <laughs> Hell, There's a lot of info yeah. in there. Yeah. yeah. That guy's got some skills. He's got mad skills. Make that work, yeah. Very well, impressive. I mean, Steve, you mentioned before that uh, Eric Gavlik is not typically known for tactfulness. Yeah. And you'll notice his first comment is, I'm not sure for what yet, but I'm definitely hiring you for something. This is brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That yes. character, the, the main character, it must be just the colors in it, but it reminds me of Homer Simpson. Yeah, yeah, the blue, <laughs> blue pants, yellow head, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's even got the cityscape in the background, and yeah. he purposely yeah. has the, the background where the characters are moving mostly black. Yeah. So that he knows that he can do the, the different colors cleanly. Yeah. And you could probably get away with some pseudo parallaxing at that point, too. If you've got yeah. a split vertical line, you could have other things scrolling at a speed and that is a slower speed. And you could get a poor man's parallax yeah. Uh, yeah. out of that. You can That's... even have like the, 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 the time of day change in the background by just changing those colors. Yeah. As the game progresses. Yeah. As the More sun rises and day. sunsets. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, you can make a application for the. Yeah. It's an yeah he's he's working on a game club. for this. So yeah. That's exactly what I think. I mean, it's it's impressive to uh, be able to show the various moves and stuff with this you know this sort of uh, graphical scale. It's quite nice. I mean, I think he's got something going here. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and he did one. He did he redid Outhouse um, using semi graphics like 
looking stuff. Now it's actually a Windows application, but it looks like a Coco game and it still all works as if it was done in semi graphics, but we're getting speeds on it that would not be capable in a real Coco and stuff and like background sound well, at effects. At least not in basic. I think if you did an assembly, you could, but he's not an assembly programmer. Yeah. So, he's, yeah. so um, now Erico has got mad skills, man. He's a, he's an artisan. Yeah. He's an animator. He's an artist. He's awesome. This is so cool. Yeah, and plus he was working on that graphical adventure game that I know Nick had written some utilities to do semi-graphics, you know, switching between two screens to even get more colors than the standard nine, kind of like he did with the, some of the dots in Rally SG. Ah, so wow. it would be interesting now if he gets back Sorcery. to that, but I think he wants to get one of these arcade games done first. So. Yeah, this is wicked cool. Yeah, I have to agree. I would really like to see him actually do a semi-graphics 24 game like the highest res. We have 192 vertical lines you can change the colors. Right. I'd love to see what he could do with that. Well, I think part of what I think I think what he does here is he's got some Photoshop templates that are broken down into the blocks that match SG4. So I think for and and I think he might be using something like SG Edit too, maybe for some yeah, mockups. So SG24 when you got 192 lines, it's, it's a game changer when you want to use some rapid tools for putting blocks on the screen. Um, so not that he couldn't do it, but it's, there's just a lot more vertical data to to process at this point. Um, yeah. But yeah, visually, the horizontal data is still the same though. So you yeah. still only have 64 pixels going across. Yeah. So you're still limited. Visually, it would be really cool because there there have been some cool things like the um, storm, which is the tempest clone. That actually looks pretty good in that SG mode, you know. So yeah, I, uh, like like guard, guardian somewhat uh, protectors too. I still think for me the showcase of, yeah. of showing what the graphics can look like. Uh, but there's a bunch of others. I mean, we've, yeah. we've covered a few of them. I mean, you did a semi graphic special with Nick and I, I think, way yeah, a while back. ago. We should probably yeah. update that because there's yeah. a bunch of bunch of others now. So yeah, neat. Good job, Erica. Thanks. Uh, ben Drake says hello. I enjoyed Tetris this weekend. Good to see you, Ben. Oh, great. Free games cool. for your Tandy Calor computer. <laughs> but wait, how much would you pay? <laughs> now, this is a new YouTuber I had not seen before called the 64 K Gamer. Okay. And he's got various other systems too. All the old 8 bits. He's got, you know, game consoles like the Magnifox Odyssey 2 and, you know, ClickoVisions and stuff like that, mm. Atari's and the Coco. So he did this video here just to basically show how you can go in the color computer archive, even with your phone, plug in the microphone jack onto the phone or earphone jack, I should say, <clears throat> and then load them directly onto the, uh, the Coco itself. So he kind of goes through the, you know, how to get to the archive and how to, you know, load it up on your phone. So the game he chose as a demo here is Dragonfire. Okay. And now he's got pretty crappy, you know, video quality in here, unfortunately, because of the scan lines and stuff recording on his and phone. And we have Dragonfire. Okay. But That's... he's planning on doing some actual videos of, of actual gameplay, and he's actually got a, a, some you know actual cartridges and stuff too. So he's he's kind of you know new as far as doing Coco videos. So I'll be following his page to see what uh, else he's got coming up. I've also left a message to him if he wants to you know, either watch the show and kind of see if he wants to you know like maybe guest on to talk about some of the stuff he's doing and how he got into Coco and that kind of thing, be the whole history thing. Very so cool. uh, we'll see what his response is for that. Uh, next up. <clears throat> Retro Core put up their second part. I did see the first part of the Frogger one. And I noticed they didn't have the Dragon or the Coco version of uh, Frogger in it. So that's because there's a bazillion versions of Frogger and you want to make a video 17 hours long. Uh, so in this case here, he did part two, which actually does include the Dragon. Part two. So these are the ones he compares in part two. 
Okay, ColecoVision um, and Television, TI, Famicom, Dragon 32, Spectrum, Amstrad, Commodore, BBC Micro. Yeah, the BBC looks pretty good. Yeah, some some of them actually are pretty good. Uh, some of them he's not that impressed with. Some of them he's like he, the graphics look good, but the controls suck. Like okay. there's a delay or a lag or something like that. So he actually does a comparative review. The Dragon one, I mean, it's not the most visually stunning because it's in lower mode. But he said the controls work very well. Mm-hmm. I think that was with the Game Boy Color one. The controls you have to jump ahead of time because it jumps diagonally when you jump off the logs and stuff. So it's like it's got the momentum, so Where? you actually get thrown forward. So it's the timing's way off. Terry Sticky says hi. From hey Terry. Chat. Terry. Hey, Terry. Hey. How you doing? All so right. anyway, for those of you interested in Frogger, there's a, a pretty cool comparison video that involves uh, the Coco Dragon 32 version of it. So okay, cool. I won't play the whole video because it's you know 12 minutes. But. but we know what ours sounds like. Ours has good background music, which I liked about it. Yeah. And, and one of the very few third-party official ports. Yeah. But just about everything else that was actually an official licensed version of a game came from Tandy. And this is one of the very few that was the Cornsoft group, right? Yeah. And they had one for the TRS-80 Mono as well. Yep. Yeah, by Cornsoft as well. Yeah. In fact, the only other one I can think of, I think, is Moon Shuttle by Datasoft because Tandy didn't pick that one up, so they sold that one on their own too. But I can't think of another third-party licensed arcade title, to be honest. I think everything else is Tandy. Okay. And finally, Cuthbert in the Cooler by one of our favorite gameplay viewers rob the retro rambles yeah okay so i won't play that because there's a long one here he was kind of figuring out as usual the game as he goes though it does have some i love these load screens they're so cool is going to be cuthbert in the cooler for the dragon 32 i mean you knew it was dragon 32 aside from the title screen so yeah i'll put on this video the vibrant green and the custard yellow and look, there's Cuthbert himself, all excited. Is he, that character who they called Cuthbert? The there, that, 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 that's just excitement. I'm not sure if that was... That sweat I'd have to check the old um, microdeal catalogs, because, yeah, that might have been their... No I, I know it's their motto. 1985, we're getting quite late in the day. Their official the representative of the company. I can't remember uh, if he was specifically yeah, called so Cuthbert. This will be quite an advanced game. I have no idea. What me were yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, pretty new. Any instructions or anything? Um, and I'm right. trying to think what. Yeah, I'll fast forward a little bit here. Yeah. He actually does go through the directions a little bit, and I think we've seen this game before. So. Oh yeah, we have. This is where you have to try to get the key and escape what the guards and stuff. Okay, we've yeah, seen. Yeah, and then this. you go to the second screen where you have to get the map pieces and then go through okay. the ah. ramble pit or whatever it is, and then you have that third level. Now, one thing, his directions are that I didn't notice that when is I've tried playing this game before. Is, what they say, is that if you hold the joystick button down when you're on the raft, it'll actually speed up. Because mm. I, I was always trying to get the timing right, and I'd always get hit by the guards or shot or whatever, because okay. you're going so slow across the river. So Now, is this um, is this POW artifacting, or is he just using red and blue um, dithering here, because the you have a different shade of purple in here? I think that's dithering just kind of blurred out here, because okay. he's playing on a POW dragon. Okay. I like that kind of purple shade there. But he goes through and you know gets generally frustrated like most of us do with these games and <laughs> neat. I, yeah. And that's it for the game on news. All right, all right. Well, now we are going to take a brief commercial break. 
and then we'll be back with everyone's favorite part of the show, project updates and acquisitions. Thank you, L. Curtis Boyle, for the Game on News. Thank you, Nick Morota, for the game segment. Thank you, Nick Morentes, for an awesome game. We're not done, but wait, there's more. We'll be back after these words. And now, these messages. It's a Radio Shack Merry Christmas. This year, I needed to give a real family pleaser. Honey, please help me with this budget. How about a new game, Dad? Please. And I found it. Radio Shack's Color Computer 2. On sale for just $99.95. It entertains, educates, manages. It's expandable and affordable. Now that really pleases me. The Color Computer 2. Sale price for Christmas. Only at Radio Shack. Hi, I'm Kieran Unscombe, author of XRAW, and your brain is resolving sensory input into Cocoa Talk. At GSoft, we make games for the TRS-80 Color Computer, TRS-80 MC-10, and Dragon Computers. Our basic games cover the range of genres from arcade, to text adventures, to simulations, to 3D dungeon crawls. This is our latest puzzle game from Japan, Fruit Panic. So come on, drop by our website and download our latest games. Tired of switching your joystick between the left and right port? Want to change between different controllers? Well, Joey has got you covered. The Joey Controller Switch. Take control of your controllers with the flip of two switches. Order today at cocoman.biz. And now, Coco Thoughts by Samuel Gimes. Legend says, when the moon is full, if you go out in the country by the lake and whisper the name of Nick Marota three times, his spirit will appear and he will grant you a product idea. Radio Shack has a great gift idea for the whole family. Fast action TV games, and they're on sale. Get this six game model for $29.95, or the four game model for $21.95. With rising entertainment cost, that's a real bargain. You play hockey, tennis, squash, and more. Easy to hook up and great family fun that lasts all year long. The sale price TV games. Only at Radio Shack, a Tandy company. Hi, I'm Terry Steen, author of Balloon Fire and other amazing games on the color computer. And you're listening to Stevie Stroh on Coco Talk. And we're sorry. All right, so <laughs> we are here. It is time for everyone's favorite part of the show. We're talking about, uh, yes, Nick Morota. If I may, just sorry, we had questions in the chat. I glossed over this in the Game On segment. Okay. If you if you would like the uh, disc version of Bomb Threat, uh, you go to rickadams.org slash bomb threat. And if you were interested in the cartridge version, you send an email to neil, N-E-I-L, at cococrew.org. Okay. And thank you. Thank you, Stevie. I just said we had questions. So. No problem. And Mikey, were you getting ready to say something? No. Okay. Thought I heard you say something. 
All right, so it's time for product updates and acquisitions. Who's got something they want to show and tell this week? Uh-oh, Mikey does. I do, I do. Uh, Mikey, well, you're going to have to wait uh, your turn maybe, now. Maybe you want to come to me uh, a little bit later. Okay. Let other people go first as right. I will uh, give a little demo. All right, Ron Delvo, you, have, yeah, the, you really? have the floor. Okay, I'm going to. I can't start screen sharing. Well, okay. you didn't tell me you wanted to screen share. Now you can, oh, sh sure. now you can screen share. Okay. We're waiting, we're waiting, we're waiting. And there it is. No? There we go. Ron's Garage. Okay, so um this is just a place to fun place to go because there's all kinds of weird crap that I put on here. And if you're bored, you know, come and visit. You know, it's about some interesting things. You know, I do some artwork now and then. I, I got, look at, I got something from Terry Steggy in the mail. And guess what? Here it is. Working. Ooh. Ah. <laughs> I got a, a CD of um, one, the Beatles, and I put it in and played it. And that's the interface for the um, CD player, which is right in this area. Oh, neat. Yeah. And it, it was awesome to hear it on these awesome speakers. Oh, nice. so awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Those Tetris from the early 90s are one of the most fantastic laptops I've seen. Yeah. I mean, and, and, yep. and they weigh, they weigh 23.5 pounds. <laughs> Get out of town. Wow. <laughs> How much RAM does it have in it? 80. 80, 80, 80 meg. meg. Yep. Yes. Yeah. I have one. I have one with like 96 meg. It's like, yeah. really? <laughs> and, like and Terry, God bless Terry's heart. The poor guy, he's uh, had some issues, and uh, we've been praying for him. Mm. And uh, I hope he's doing yeah. well. And uh, there's another favorite place to go is show us your Tandy Color Computer, where um, I grab uh, pictures of people's uh, computers and put them here. So you can see a variety. Oops, there's mine. <laughs> anyway, uh, just a whole bunch of people who... Uh, have their own machines and uh oh here's radio shack setup yeah that's cool and there's i no miss radio flag. shack and there's my little boy Yay. on my first computer yeah so cute okay so that's pretty much it <laughs> uh the update or the the uh acquisition being that computer okay good, cool. good album too that the beatles one that's a really good album mm-hmm mm -hmm. Thanks, it is. guys. All right. Uh, who else had an update or acquisition of something they would like to share? Brian Weasler is raising his hand. And then Nick Morota will be next. Let me spotlight Brian Weasler. Go ahead, Brian. Hello. Uh, a couple items uh, that I got in I'd like to, to show everybody. Uh, one that I got uh, recently here, he finally uh, was able to ship them uh, from Retro Innovations, the... Uh, the, uh, the Coco Midi. Oh, neat. Oh, oh cool, cool. Yep. I haven't had a chance to uh, plug it in and play with it yet, though. It does not come with a case. It's designed to fit into the uh, to a ROM case. You have to kind of modify the top of the case so the ports will come through. But, uh, um, yeah, it's very nice. Very, very clean board that he put together. So How much did that cost you? I'm going to have to get myself one of those, I think. Uh, I believe it's uh, 60 That's pretty good. Uh, it's on the Retro Innovations website. 
Okay. Yeah, there, I actually so. see behind you, Brian, that whole SCART pop-up thing that just came on the screen that oh, they were talking yes. about. Yep, with there, there it is. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. There it goes. Yeah, yeah. yeah right. <laughs> yep. And if you do the, if you press the M key there, it switches the mode there. Okay, and then that goes away. And then, uh, that that'll pro well, probably go away after that disappears. Yeah, I don't think yeah. it comes back up again. But uh, yeah, kind of the weird colors. <laughs> and then um, uh, there was another gentleman that posted a picture out there, and I'd reached out to him. Uh, his name is uh, uh, Fran Purcell. I think maybe his name is. He runs a company called Electronics Plus. He had posted a picture out there on uh, Facebook, and what he had was. A whole bunch of these circuit boards, the the old style RAM upgrade. Oh, neat! And of course, it's not it's an unpopulated uh, board, and there's a link that someone put out on the Facebook that shows what components, like the various uh, capacitors, and such. So mm. uh, um, he um, he actually sent me two of these uh, two of the boards. Oh, neat! So <laughs> I might uh, get get the parts ordered that I need, the different sockets and stuff, and uh, I'll try to assemble one. I know we have modern versions of it though, but it might be kind of a fun little project to. Uh, to do that and then uh another gentleman uh his name is uh jeffrey uh bird i believe he posted this out on the radio shack facebook page and i reached out to him and i said that's interesting i said that looks like it might plug into the cocoa because of the spacing and he says well do you want it and i said sure and so he sent this to me in the mail it's one of the one of the perforated boards that uh radio Aww. shack used to sell but, Those are good. But, nice. but this is a this this is the ROM cartridge and it, it, oh uh, man the spacing yeah. there so kind of you a are so uh, lucky yeah so that was kind of a kind of a fun I really appreciate it I I had something I wanted to trade with him and he he uh, uh he was just happy to see it go somewhere because he was actually going to take this and cut it up into pieces oh wow make little oh make man little no. make little project boards so yeah so I'm not sure what I'll do with it though but. Uh, um, it was neat I have a few suggestions. Um, blinky lights are a must. How about blinky a real-time clock? Real-time clock. Real -time clock. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sound chip. <laughs> Don't forget to recap it. Sound chip, yeah. Re <laughs> Cap it. Yeah. Come on, we need one gigabyte of memory. <laughs> 16 slot MPI. One gigabyte of memory. Sound pack orchestra yeah. 90. That's it. Graceways of Adepta. There you go. Um... A while back, I'd showed some uh, cassette games, kind of a learning education game, and there was a fourth one that I didn't have, and I recently got the got that one there. It's uh, the Maze Master. Ooh. So it's part of their educational. It's a cassette tape there, and so it's just a. It was a. So I got all all four of them now. There, here's the other ones that I think that I showed you guys. If you remember the seeing these. Oh yeah, here, I like so. the boxes on there. Very. Uh, oh yeah, the, very the kind of really uh, cool. PBS. Uh, yeah. Children's workshop type looking stuff there. And then, uh, as you as you displayed there, I'll make this brief though. But yeah, I got uh, I'm all set up too there. I got the the bomb threat. Nice, yeah. The 3D monster maze. I uh, love yep, getting nice. I love new cartridges, and in the box yep. and the whole packaging and the whole thing. Yeah, it's neat. Um, just a lot of little things here. I got and uh, haven't had got a book for a while, but I did uh, score this one here. I put this one up on Facebook. Uh, Carlos Camacho had. Uh, um, had found this one, and uh, I must have found it about the same time because a few days after he uh, found his, I, I found this one as well. And it's really a, it's a nice one. I want to read through it a little bit more, but it's a, yeah. another book to add to the collection there. Um, and this then one thing I'd like to show back. Well, this one's actually a hardcover. Yeah. Yeah, this I is like a hardcover that. one. Yeah, it was in the pictures I put up on Facebook, it was kind of interesting. It was actually in a library, but it was only ever checked out. 
twice. Okay. <laughs> so, it, it wasn't very interesting. It's a it. hard both of us. A hardly used book. <laughs> hardly used. <laughs> Gently worn. Uh. And then, uh, if I could share my camera real quick, I could. Uh, uh, I'm not sharing here. a screen that okay, I'm aware here we are. of. Right Let me now, just switch so. my camera. Uh, so one of the things we talked about here, what was it about four episodes back? We talked about you know things we'd like to to get or acquire or wish list stuff. Okay. Well, I was able to get one of my wish list items. Oh, you there, got so. a video, well, video text. text. Wow. Video text. Yep. Oh. So it has yep, a it's blinky true. light. It has the blinky light right yeah. there and everything. Yeah. Yeah, it's a very interesting machine. Um, obviously, it just turns on and there's no real software to run other than the terminal program itself. Um, it has one port on the back. Uh, well, two ports: your video and then your uh, the built-in modem. But if, if I could, I just wanted to open up because I was actually kind of surprised. It, it had already been opened. Mm -hmm. But, of course, it's it's somewhat like a Coco, but not a Coco. Um, you still got the uh, uh, the 60 the 6809 processor, and you got the same video chip and the same memory and everything. Okay. But you can see here that this is a much bigger board. The The power supply is bigger. Uh, this whole area here is your is the built-in modem. modem. Wow. Yeah. This is, I mean, oh. this is like a Coco... The original Coco One, uh, like if you have an early board, I think yeah. if I open mine, I don't think mine would be like this. This is probably more like a C board. This is like a neutered one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and you can yeah. see here there is no ROM cartridge here. Right, uh, but there's an on opening the case, for it's it. all blocked out. So yeah, it's strictly a, it's yeah, a dedicated right. system, and probably dedicated ROMs right here as well. Right. So now you could put a 6309 in there. You could put a Coco VGA in there. And there's a lot of things you can do here. Since the cover, uh, I, I try not to break the warranty seals if they yeah. haven't been broken. But this uh, one had been broken, so I thought maybe I don't know how many people had seen what the inside of one of no, these looked like. No, that is neat. That is neat. So, but uh, yeah, it's a big, big old transformer there for the modem at the top. Yep. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, right here. Yeah. Yep, yeah, probably yeah, yeah, for, yeah. for the audio side of it. Yes. Uh -huh. When you're when yeah. you're when you're blasting out 300, uh, you know, bits per <laughs> second, you need lots of power, man. <laughs> That's right. Maybe it'll update to 14.4. There, well, there you go. Blast yep. out but, uh, 300 bits over 1970s telephone systems. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah. About 500 yeah. decibels. Yeah. If you hook is that it in, it's going to want to download a bunch of updates. Show us the inside of that case. Is it black? Yes, I don't know if it's coming through very well, but yeah. it is. It is. Yeah. Black it actually plastic. is black. Yes. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yep. And, and you and can see the plugs, the... the plugs for the ports, for what would be oh, for, the, for the line. One. Oh, was does it LED, have uh, like? Was the LED standard? What's that? Was the LED standard? Yes, that was your yes. activity yep. light. Yes, it was. Yep. It uh, actually it... plugs right right in here on the board. There's a spot where it plugs little... in. So. When you when you first turn it on, the light comes on and then it goes off. Okay. Um, but from reading in the manual, once you connect to a service, uh -huh. um, you know the various services that were very when it's receiving data, the light. Right. Will be it's on. like an activity light. Now, does the cassette relay mm. click when you first turn it on too? Oh wait, there isn't one. There isn't <laughs> one. No, no, there isn't one. Yeah, you, you strictly have. Uh, uh, there you go. It's your RF and, out, and that's your that's for an external modem, then, right? That's that's just serial. Yep. Right? Yeah. This did, this didn't come with the cable. Um, the it's a, a din a din plug that's very it, it's the same as what goes for the cassette, mm -hmm. but it's uh, it goes to a phone cord that you'd plug right into your uh, into the phone little, line. Why didn't the keyboard cord. fall out? Uh, it's actually it's it's the uh, it's the old style uh, with the thinner ribbon. It's the one that has that heavy ribbon that's really stiff. Okay, so this, okay. this, it's not it's not going anywhere. So that's neat. Yep. 
Now, do you well, the modem's built right into it, right? Like yeah. the actual hardware. Yeah, modem? it's there. Yep. Yeah. yeah here's your modem yeah, yeah. circuitry right here. Do you mind saying what that cost you, or? Uh, this uh, was uh, one sixty. Okay. I mean, they're wow. the back the, of the lid. They're pretty rare, so. Let's yep. see the back of the. Wow. What's that? What's Let's the serial the number? Back, the What's back the serial number? The oh, the serial <laughs> number. Us, yeah. The serial number is zero one. This here, uh, 1236. I don't know if it's coming through there. It's upside down probably for yeah. you guys. but uh... Oh, the people in Australia can see it fine. Oh, it's up the right way here. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see, see the back of the lid. The back of the lid. What the hell are you talking about? The back oh, of like the, oh, where, where the, the ports top are? Ports? Where yeah. the ports are. The rear of the yeah. top case. Okay, yeah. So that, that... yeah. See, that's what I was talking about, the plugs yeah. that are still there for the ports that would be on a Coco. Yeah. Uh, okay. right. Yep. So like the these are the same port mold, they just the, knock it out. Yeah. Yeah. Two TV telephone. Yeah. This is exciting. This is like if you think about the evolution. This is like the predis. This is like the Cro Magnum or Neanderthal to the uh, Coco, right? And the uh, and what? What's the difference between this one and the blue one? Uh, well, the blue one was your AgVision, so this is the video text, so this would go to your... Um, the blue one's probably the... a little bit older, right? That maybe came out earlier? Well, would it yeah, have the I, same it, motherboard? It pro I'm, I'm going to guess mm. it probably does, because from what I've been able to read about the AgVision, the AgVision was kind of the same principle as the system where it would connect to different various services, but different it was ag-related, so for farmers and things like that, it probably would just connect to those type of services, I'm assuming. So, so yeah, it would have different ROMs. So from Possibly. the manual I've got, the AgriStar thing was pretty specific to farming. And obviously this is more Dow Jones new retrieval and that kind right. of thing. Oh, Tim, Tim Franklin out? says it needs, looks like it needs to be recapped. So, <laughs> so, um, so when you turn this on, there's no um, cassette click, is there? No, no, there's no cassette no, really. No, no cassette click. All you wow. get is a, a blinking cursor um, that says video text. Um, if you have the video text cartridge, you get the same result on your Coco 2 or Coco 1, right. um, where you just come up to the little video text and you hit enter and it just sits there and blinks. Uh, I think there's a, a key that you press, then you can type in a phone number. And uh, then it Did this dialogue. use the AT commands like haze modes? Do you have to type in like ATD or ATDT um, or anything? No, or you know, pre -haze, I think so. pre -haze, the haze huh? protocol didn't even exist at this point. Oh, yeah. wow. I, it did, uh, it did oh, you got the manual. Look, Look at you, Mr. Wow. Fancy nice. Pants. So, like the old yeah. Tandy modems, they had that star protocol, wasn't it? Star, then the Yeah, you could do like star 20, star different, uh, uh, different, uh, uh, yeah, what's star. The, like, um, what's the date on the manual there in the beginning? I always did star 69 to block caller ID. The next page, yeah. Uh, 1980. 1980, so the same year as the Coco. That's neat. Uh, Mr. Dave uh, raised his hand, so I think he has a comment. Uh -oh. Yeah, I have a question. Um, if you pull out the extended basic ROM, where that would have been, will it boot up as a regular Coco? There's only one way to find out. <laughs> you know, you I, I really don't know. Because, I mean, it has a lot of the same chips. I mean, it uses the same chip here for the video. Uh -huh. And um, it has the, the same, uh, oh, what was that chip PIA number? PIA? Aren't, aren't we a PIA short there? Yeah, yeah there's, yeah, usually there'd be two yeah. PIAs. And so, is, there, yeah, is there a SAM as well, or is not? not? Uh, that I'm not sure about. Oh, yeah. Did they have a salt? It's the A83. Yeah. 
Sounds like a hold my beer moment. CPU there. This must have come out after the cocoa because we have all the um, all the knockouts. We have the uh, knockouts available, and I would wonder if that ROM number is the same as a regular uh, cocoa ROM. And just I, I, actually, I think the original out. version, which I can't remember, if it came first the AgVision or the VideoTex terminal. I think the AgVision did, but I think that was actually predated the cocoa. Yeah, when I remember. I, yeah, I see I three. Right, it's hard, yeah, it's yeah, probably hard to see out. right here. But on this ROM that's right here, it actually says Videotex right on the ROM. Mm. Uh -huh. it, says, it says Tandy 81 uh, Videotex. What's the other one say? Uh, it just has a just a, a uh, like a Motorola part number on it. What is it? 68? Uh, uh, MC or MCM 6810P. 6810? 6810? Yeah. I don't know. Three honking power supplies in it, judging from the three regulator chips I see down there. So, yeah, there's one where your salt chip there. went. <laughs> they just uh, did it the hard way. Yeah, let us know if it'll, it'll boot as a regular cocoa that can't do anything. Once you pull <laughs> well, out the, I'd have uh, to get some ROMs, but I might be a little EPROM. hesitant to, to do that. But I don't want to blow No, it. you don't have, need the ROM. Just pull have out you the EPROM. Have you had it on for a while to see if it uh, warms up? Uh, No, I've had it on for maybe. 20 minutes is all, but oh. uh, I don't know if there's really a lot of heat out of here at all. And I think if I remember correctly, the, the modem's limited to 300 baht, right? right? I think if you put a uh, tin tray on top of there, you could probably bake cookies with that thing. <laughs> 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 well, I do have the, I did take the cover off here so we could see this. This would normally be covered right here. Yeah, with the, the uh, RF shield, right? Yes. What, what, uh -huh. what is the RAM in there? Is it maybe 16K or 4K? Or? Uh, it's hard to say. It looks like are they four double one sixes or four one six fours? It's four K. It didn't need much else for the terminal program. There's no, no there's no, no basic no. program it's or anything. High -res and that's really old. So they are the Tandy. Uh, they are Tandy chips though. Zero zero two seven. Eight eight zero four zero zero two seven. I know I've seen it in some of the Cocoa ones. That ROM or uh, uh, RAM. RAM. What's the What's the PIA? Is it a six eight two two or six eight two one? Two one. Oh yeah. Neat, 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 neat. So the yep. seldomly seen video text terminal slash Coco predecessor and under the hood, what does it look like? Very cool and stuff. That's, and that's a Motorola um, processor. The, yes. Um, Sixty eight oh nine. What's that? Yes. The Sixty. Yeah, it's not a AMI or whatever. Yeah, yeah, just a P. Yep, the similar ones that you see in the Cocos. It's yeah, not. No a, it's not an E. No it's doubt not the power supply there too, and one of those regulators is probably to supply supply power for the dedicated modem. Yes, I would assume so as well. Mm. Neat. That is a neat little slice of history right there. That's all I got, sir. All right. Very cool. Um, yeah, nice. Somebody else was getting ready to raise their hand. I don't remember who it was. Okay, we have a few here. So how about Brian Schubring? We don't get to hear from you as often. Nick Morota, hopefully you'll, you don't mind. How you doing, Brian? How you been, brother? Oh, I'm doing just fine. Can you hear me all right? We can hear you fine. All right. I've got something here that I forgot that I had from way back in the day. Is that the uh, home controller unit? Read what it says. Uh, for NRI electronics course with Coco 3 hardware. That's what, interesting. What does that mean? Uh, NRI course in microprocessor technology. 
You get a board. You get hardware uh, they put together so you can do a whole bunch of different things and discover how to do the registers and all that on the uh, on the Color Computer 3. Oh, neat. And that. I've never put it together. I've scavenged a few parts on here that uh, kind of need for a couple other projects and such. But uh, <laughs> I picked this up for just for a couple bucks at uh, my ham fest. I don't know how long ago, to be honest. I think some right around 10 years ago or more. Wow. And I just haven't done anything that, with it. Is that the one that has the uh, the card that has the breadboard on it? Yeah. the bre yeah, It's never put together. I got the breadboards elsewhere. But yeah, you got here and you got all your components that go on here and then... Uh, Away you go. Very cool. So I, like that. I actually, believe it or not, went through the full NRI course for electronics and got the scholarship. Wow. Degree. So now for, <laughs> for idiots like me, what does NRI stand for? McGraw Hill National um I can't remember what it was called. It, it, it was an educational program for correspondence course. Okay. So like Radio Institute? National Radio Institute, something like that. Yeah, yeah. He's, it actually it is, yes. And they actually had this. They had it for the uh, for doing music um, with the Coco and also for with the Commodore. But okay. they dropped it before I started hmm. for the Commodore. So, well, the Commodores end up doing very well in the music industry. Yeah, um, is not no, it was, it was actually for the us for the Atari. Uh, is what they were doing too. Is what they I went. Think, I was I going. Think to they do went that, over. Then, I think they went over they like a it brick too, house. So. Um, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so that's that's just just something quick and fast. So cool. That is a little neat. nostalgia. <laughs> Picking up what you're dropping, Stevie. No worry yeah. about it. I got no, you. Yeah. You, got my, you got my back. You know, you it's 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 packaged like a uh, appliance and light controller. Exactly. Yeah, that's what uh, I thought it was. One yes, of those. Uh, it, it's because the the guy put it in that box because he didn't have the other packaging. Ah. Oh. Okay. Ah. Uh, right. So. So 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 yeah, it was put into that box, but he's got everything else there, and it came with a cassette for loading in programs. Let's see I that. Uh, let's see uh, that instruction booklet close up. Almost, got enough light there? Yeah, yeah, yeah we can see. Yeah, you can yeah, see the yeah. board, the yeah, break, the breakout that's board. That's not an there. instruction booklet; it's just a catalog for it. Now, this program came with a Coco Three. If you signed up for this program. Um. Yes, it came with the Coco Three. So you this... um for the program, and um I was, I was going to first do for the music with the Atari. They had the Coco. I was going to do that, and then when I was just going to sign up for that, they dropped it too. So I ended up going with the full electronics course. So. Funny thing is, they spelled color correctly. No, this is from America. So. <laughs> Oh, America. America. Yeah. America. America. We leave out the vowels. Yes. Yeah. America. <laughs> yeah. That's six steps to computer oh, mastery cool. with microprocessor technology. Look at that guy. Yeah. That guy looks really serious. He's got a collared shirt on. Oh. He's got yeah. these crisp sleeves Look going on there. Look at that proto board well, there. Get the you know, Brian? Board. Just a little higher. Yes. Just a little you higher. Got, you got a scanner. Yeah. Yeah, I bet you, you should scan this stuff. This should go in the yeah. archive. Yeah, you should yeah. put this on the archive. Yeah. That would yeah, be I cool. Do that. Definitely. Yeah. I'm actually looking right now on the internet to see whether or not if I can find any of the old um, material and all that, too. Because hmm. so I think most of us have never seen this. No. Yeah. Yeah. It. No, it's, hmm. it's rare. <laughs> That's rarer yeah. than a video text terminal. 
Maybe, no maybe. Offense, Brian. Yeah, so screw you, Brian Weaser. <laughs> you and your crappy acquisition this week. Um, uh, it mentions on your on the literature there that it came with a disc drive. So I'm assuming it came with discs with you know tutorials and stuff on it as well. Uh, no. Uh, oh, you're right. It does. With okay. It was an interactive it's CD-ROM the disc drive controller. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It did come with that. All that fun. I never got that hardware. I just got the uh, the board itself, the uh, electronics. That is really cool. So yeah, but you could like to night light nights if we can find the whole package, like what software came with oh, it, because yeah. the disc drive obviously would have had that for that reason. Yeah, and then see what the whole yeah. tutorial was like. Oh, yeah, um, the box um, retro innovation. Maybe even is... teach me not to solder my own hair. Anyway, go ahead, Steve. Huh? <laughs> what does Jim have to say? Retro innovation is saying scan the PCB too on both sides, and we can see if we can replicate um, all the parts on the list. Sure. That is awesome. cool. That is cool. Very cool. That is, yeah. So a couple of rare things today. Speaking of rare and wonderful things, uh, I think Nick yes. Morota had something. He <laughs> yes. Can I help you? There's only one of me. My turn okay. yet? It is uh, Nick no, Morota's turn. Nick Morota. Mine isn't. Mine is not rare. But um, as you see, I'm playing Pac-Man on my MC10 back there. That's a beauty. I was uh, finally able to use my MC10 because I picked up the uh, drive wire cable from uh, CocoMan.biz, uh, along with, uh, I got a little netbook here sitting, uh, running um, MC server, so I'm able to actually use oh, my Pi MC10 Use PyDriveWire. It doesn't work on there. It's weird. When I run it, I get some sort of, uh, you don't have access it's to 64-bit, that's why. Extract the okay. manifest. We'll, yeah. have to, we'll have to sit on uh, Discord sometime and work that out. But uh, MC, yeah, I'd like to use Pi DriveWire, but for now, MC, MC server's running okay. Mm -hmm. So I'm able to, uh, but yeah, we should talk because I'd like to get a uh, Pi DriveWire going. What's so a good looking cartridge sticking in there? So I'm able That's to the memory MC upgrade. MCX128. Yeah. yeah. So uh, that's what's giving me my MC server access. So, so yeah, so pretty happy. I can actually finally use it now. Neat. So, and thank cool. you to Coco cool. Man for sending me the. Uh, Drive wire cable and uh, he told huh? me which um, so when you go after to use when you USB. go shopping you stop right there. I do <laughs> stop right there at cocoman.biz. Cocoman.biz, yep. Very cool. Now, Mikey, you've been hot on the heels to show us something. Are you ready, Mikey? Yes, I am. Let me okay. let me click the button here. Payback time. Uh, I think it should be this one, right? <laughs> What's that box? Oh, all right, space? can you can you guys see? I uh, have two windows up yes. here. Yes, yes, we can. Pi all right. Drive wire and Pi Drive Wire console. So I have I have Pi Drive Wire sitting here, and uh, I've been working on uh, some some user interface stuff for it. So one of the guys uh, uh, in, on the Cocoa list, I think his name is uh, Charlie or something. He said, "Well, can't you just make a standalone terminal?" So I've done. I've done that. I'll actually show you the code for this, just to show that, uh, show that it works. You know, um, still says 0.5 C, but you can see as I as I type stuff uh, here, it um, it shows up. You know, the request show up over here, and uh, this is using a. I think this thing has been around a while. It's called Python. So I've actually written <laughs> Python code. And this code on the screen here, it it actually 
creates the little box where you type in. It creates the, the input bar and the buttons. And then it, it connects those buttons to things that you do. So this is actually the implementation. This one screen of code, Python code, is actually the implementation of this console. Oh, neat. That's running in the web browser. <clears throat> so I, in the next, I'm probably going to put this one in the next version of PyDriveWire as a standalone, standalone console. I need to do the colors and you know yeah. actually fi actually finalize it. You know this was this was just a you know can I can I get can I get the thing to work and yes I can. So going on that idea, um, one of the things that I think some people struggle with is. Uh, you know, all of the options and things that are available with PyDriveWare. So now that I have, you know, I don't personally really like JavaScript very much. It's not my, not my, you know, first language. I have to like Google everything. I am way more, uh, um, I, I can get a lot more done in Python. So I, I've started playing with this. This is just a, this is just a proof of concept right now. Uh, I'm not planning to include this in the next uh, PyDriveWire release because it needs a lot of work. But essentially what I've put together is I have put together a setup wizard to help guide you through the process of generating a configuration file uh, for PyDriveWire. So this is not finished. It's just a proof of concept, just, just to show what's possible. Okay, I'm, I'm going to go through the wizard. So you know, it says this wizard will guide you through setting up PyDriveWire for the first time. At the end of the wizard, you will be able to save the configuration, and then you must restart Py the PyDriveWire server for those changes to take effect. So this isn't all finished yet, but um, I can at least show you the I can at least show you the workflows. So I'm going to click the Begin button. The first question is, do you wish to enable the web user interface? Yes is default selected with the port number. If I click No, it goes away. Yes, Neat. you can fill it in. No, it goes away. And it even it even tells you here the PyDrive, what you know, if I I can change the number, change the number, it even changes yep. it even changes down there. But it, it, it clearly says here the web user interface will be available at this IP address. Right. All right. So let's say yes. Leave it at port sixty eight hundred, continue. Uh so the next question the next question sort of addresses another problem that people have. It's sort of, this is sort of a gap in my, essentially a gap in my documentation that I don't actually describe this, but um, this is how you configure what is connecting to the PyDriveWare server. Um, there's a similar dialogue, it, well, it's a little bit fancier than this um, in, the, in the Java server. So let's suppose that um, I, I'm gonna select I think I should probably put this serial. I don't know. I, I still have to play around, play around with this. But what I want to show is that the different Cocos communicate on um, DriveWire at different speeds. So if I select serial, uh, these are not real ports. They're just samples. If I click Coco 1, a Coco 1 does DriveWire at 384. A Coco 2 does DriveWire at 57.6, and it automatically changes. The Coco 3 does, etc. right? In the Coco 3 FPGA, the, normally this is the fastest speed. And MC10, and you can, of course, you can, of course, customize it. Um, TCP IP connections, if you were, uh, I should probably have a button that says emulator uh, up here. If you're using uh, VCC, DriveWire, or MAME, 
drive wire, you're connecting it over over the Becker port that's built into those. You need to have TCP/IP accept, and of course, a, a PyDriver can also make an outgoing connection, my Coco, whatever, right? Um, I'm going to leave it at uh, for this example. I'm going to leave it at serial, and let's say we're doing Coco three today. Mm -hmm. Go on to the next step. Uh, do you want to enable printing support? And then if I say yes, um, all the options are here. Do you want to print a PDF text? Where do you want it to go? What do you want the files to be named, etc.? So after going through that workflow, this is actually the configuration that I've written. It set the UI port. These are the options for, um, uh, you know, I selected Coco3 on the story report at 15200. And these are the printing options. So if I'm happy with this, I can click Save and type the name. And the default name here is main, because this is the main, the, the first instance, the name is usually main. So um, I'm going to go ahead and add another instance. I'm going to go through this very quickly. Uh, let's say that we're doing an emulator, and uh, we want to accept. OK, I'm just going to say continue here. This is the configuration for the second instance. So I can save that and say this is a uh, uh, Becker port or something. OK, so that's been saved. Um, now, uh, there's another part of this that's a configuration editor. I'm not going to go into the, into the complete details of this, but I can, actually, uh, I can actually click on this and edit it. I can actually go, I can actually go in the box here and you know, put I, I changed it. Uh, I can actually put stuff in the config and save it, and you know the other instances here as well. But show the if I click the button that says show the current version of the config file. This is actually the complete config file that the server is going to run. It's the first instance you see. I put in this test here mm -hmm. that showed up, and then here's the second instance. Instance one, right? You got and your then main when and, this. Yeah. And then when this is completely finished, you will be able to click a button, and it'll actually it'll actually upload it to the PyDriveWare server, and uh, it will tell you to uh, restart. So this is a proof of concept. I'm still, you know, I'm still working on it. Uh, PyDriveWare has a lot of options, and I realize that it's complicated for people to, um, it's uh, complicated for people to uh, get it configured. So uh, this is just something I'm playing around with, and it seems like uh, seems like it's really needed to uh, help people out with uh, with uh, DriveWire. Jen. Yes. Okay. If you have a second instance, would that be for a second machine that you have hooked up? Like if you had a Coco One and a Three hooked up yes. to the server. Okay. Yes. So um, there's a the Java server does this as well. You can have multiple server instances. And you can configure those to connect to different to different things. They can each, if you have multiple serial ports connected to your machine, you can have one that connects to one computer, another one that connects to another computer. You can just keep keep going as many as you as many serial ports as you can connect there. It'll it'll do that. And then for the you know, so you can you can configure one server to talk to multiple things at the same time. Cool. Any uh, anybody else have any questions about this or? Think it's a good idea, bad idea? No, it's helpful. It's a great idea. Excellent idea. I like it. It's excellent. I mean, I was actually smart enough to figure out how to do it from the command line by reading your docs, but um, 
more user-friendly and the more uh, lower the barrier to entry for people to get up and running with it, the better. Right, and, remember. And remember, Mike, it would yes. be nice if there would be on pretty colors. Oh, well, I haven't, <laughs> I'm not, I'm a programmer. I'm not a web designer. Okay. Actually, I was uh, joking with, uh, okay. with uh, Alan when I showed him this. Uh, I personally learned how to do web programming in the late 1990s. And this is the kind of thing that we'd have in the 1990s. It would look just like this. Oh, it's a Nowadays, retro hobby. People want things to be prettier, so you know I have to, I have to either get a graphic designer to help me, or you know just brush up on my CSS and put the colors in, and you know yeah, all that screw kind of it. stuff. It's a retro hobby; they don't like it. Screw I it. want more radio <laughs> buttons, and I want blinking text. Okay, and lasers. Okay. We want lasers. I want a I want a page hit counter <laughs> on the bottom to know how many times. Lasers. <laughs> Real time <laughs> clock. I want to oh I want to link to GeoCities. I want to I want to I want it to say best viewed in Netscape Navigator. I want a page hit counter <laughs> on the bottom. No, I paid um, for Netscape Gold. So I want to make, I think you have to follow the Steve Jobs thing. You have to make the buttons lickable. That's what you really want. Uh -huh. I yeah, want it to flash. Build into it. I want it to flash so I go into a trance and then send you money. <laughs> it's Bitcoin. It's insert Bitcoin here. Right. And, yeah, uh, if that works, send that to Nick Morenis because he needs a fifth Ferrari too. So. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool, Mike. And keep in mind, that priority mailbox in the background is the property of the U.S. Postal Service, so you must oh, use it Manny, for mail eventually. Yeah, <laughs> Manny says it must have an under construction. With the little guy yeah. that's digging the, yeah, yes, the shuffle yes. that's digging, yeah. Coming, coming soon. <laughs> yeah, that, that's what they did back then, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I oh, had yeah. it on my website. Yeah, the early days of the web. Does anybody Under construction? Yes. Does anybody Mr. else Dave. have Mr. An Dave? Mr. Dave does. does. Yeah, I got a few little things. Okay. All right. So first up, I got my bomb threat cartridge. Pretty happy okay. about that. Uh, the other night, yeah. I got the Rally SG. Nice. So oh, yeah, next did, guarantee is did that make it across the Canadian? Money. Make it across the Canadian border, fine. <laughs> yeah. You only got 80% of the bits, though. Was that Bob <laughs> Vanderpoel that used to drive into the U.S. to ship his stuff? Yeah, I think it was from B.C. Or actually, he might have been in Alberta still. Back Alberta. Then. Some people do Alberta. that, yeah. If you're close to the border, it's... I know lots of Canadians that have boxes uh, just across the border. Yeah. Well, the, the matter of, you know, when I ship something, you know, to Canada compared to, like, right across the border in, say, New York State, it's it's... It's a ridiculous amount different. Something that might cost three dollars, four dollars to send here will cost like fifteen to send across the border. What are we looking at here, yeah. Mr. Dave? Is this before or after okay. the flames came out? Yep, this is after the flames. <laughs> okay. This is dumpster fire. This is after two small fires. So I got a uh, MSX2 Panasonic machine, and it needs a weird power supply that didn't come with it. So I need eighteen volts AC and nine volt DC. So I looked around, I found a, a TI power pack that was good for 18 volts. So I hooked that up. And to get a strong enough 9 volt DC, I ended up using my power supply from the MC10. It's actually a really beefy power supply, but it's AC. So I went into my bargain bin of diodes and I soldered up a power supply and it caught fire. 
Oh. Caught fire. Surprise, yeah. surprise, what surprise. What a bargain. You, must have you forgot to recap it, didn't you? <laughs> no, you can, you can see the nice new cap right there. So, okay, no, maybe... No pictures? Maybe it was cheap. So I got another diode from the bag, and, and then, of course, Sharon came running in. It, it smells bad here. What's happening? Well, yeah, there's fire. <laughs> the smoke got hit. <laughs> so the good news is... Oops. Oh, wrong button. Your house didn't burn down, obviously. Oh, <laughs> house didn't burn down. So the good news is I was able to get it going. Uh, let's see what else. Won't take long. And I'll screw up this little gem. Oh, look at it's, that. Nice. MSX, huh? Yeah, it's amazing. sort of like the MC10, except it plays like 800 games. That is neat. That looks, so like say, looks kind of looks like kind of Spectrum-ish, you know? Yeah, it does. Yeah, that's their little mini version of the MSX, and uh, it, it came with a power pack and works fine in our system. And that's neat. Uh, one last photo. I have an MSX yeah. I've yet to uh, mess with yet. I really need to... Um... Here's the MSX2. Nice. That's a nice looking. Is that the space bar there where it says space? Yes, it is. <laughs> okay. No, it trans push the button. It transports itself to outer, outer space. Yeah. Okay. Now, is there any key on there that says any? So when it says press the when it says press any key, is there a? <laughs> G give me a tab. <laughs> and you, you also got uh, two. Give me a Pepsi slots, free. <laughs> <laughs> Can't open up a tab. You haven't started anything yet. Uh, oh, look at it that. It boots up to this uh, wonderful home screen. You can play little games. Uh, there's a real-time clock, but she's locked at oh. uh, you can't go past 1999. Oh, it's not Y2K compliant, <laughs> huh? No, not yet. It's very not yeah. forward thinking of them. <laughs> I like the not yet. <laughs> not yet. Well, you have to keep those list of years where previous months would all line up for the year. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. twenty-eight so years exactly. Here's a game running on the little Castile. Oh wow! So that's cute. Yeah, I didn't have time to do uh, too much of my Coco stuff this week, but I'm going to start on my Coco three project uh, pretty soon. Okay. And I I entered my Coco twenty twenty into the um, competition. I think we were supposed to talk about that this week. What competition? Oh, you're talking about the Coco Art Gallery? What do you mean competition? Oh, the Trash Talk competition. Oh, okay. I was like, what the hell is he talking about? He's okay. muted. And maybe his microphone caught on fire. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> I'm back. He's back. Okay. Looking for this information. It's the Coco. No, it's the. The Trash Talkers is what they were saying. Oh my God. I wish I could remember stuff. I will find it here. Okay. Does, well, while he's looking. on Discord. Does anybody yeah. else have an update they want to share? Rick, Rick Euland, I believe, does. Yeah, a little bit of things. I was digging around in my attic for floppy disks, and I found this jewel. 
Oh, wow. Three. One, wow. two, three, four, five, six, six spots. Six. Now, is that six the A bus one or is that the Frank Hogg one or which one is it? That, that, it it's a cocoa ask cartridge. Me. I can't say. It's a cocoa. Cocoa cartridge. I'm sure it was in my repair pile. BT-1006 or whatever the heck it was called? I can't remember now. It is not labeled in any way, shape, or form. So I'm going to have to fix it so it works so I'll know whose it is. Mm. But uh, I did find it. Did you recap it? I have not recapped it. Uh, no, no vital smoke has come out, so it's okay. probably good. They got all the logic in a cartridge case, which is not a cartridge case. Oh no, it is. They actually used a physical a, a gaming cartridge game ca yeah. case for the case for the logic. Oh, that's so cool. I'll have to fix that. Um, and then the other thing is, after so many different requests for different configurations, I have decided the mouse timer might just become this itty bitty little logic board. That anyone can stick any kind of joystick in or outs onto and turn into a product for any computer that has two fire buttons or less. Hmm. So I'm thinking that might be the thing I make. Um, everything's off to the prototypers to do the original plug into the back cocoa, but that doesn't seem to be very popular. So I'll probably just build that for me and anyone who might want one. But I think this little logic board is going to be something I might actually be able to do something with. So anyway, that's where I'm at this week. Well, does this board have a name of an American company or American thing, or is it going to be like a continuation of the <laughs> down under stuff? No, that's, that's Jason's got the market uh, on that. Well, you know, this is the mouse tamer. What you do with the it is tamer. up to you. Ah. Because, so, <laughs> you know. <clears throat> so was it down under or up over? Up over. Over under. Uh, anyone right. else? Anyone else have a product, project update, or acquisition, or something to talk about that they acquired this week? Anyone? Anyone? Uh, Mr. Dave is showing something else. Okay. There it is. Yeah. Okay. So what is that? That's. This is the Double Do, twenty twenty competition. Okay. So they're looking for any kind of uh, game program innovation hardware so i'm going to enter my wonderful coco 2 with the uh, rgb keyboard okay well i entered it this morning so they were pretty happy with it okay neat that line the only request that we have is that commercial releases need to hold off selling them until after december 2020 are you serious hmm. okay interesting see how that goes uh all right that's cool well, I showed what, this what off. What will you win? I don't know. What will he win? <laughs> I you... don't know. Av will send you a completely working uh, TRS-80 Model 2. No, okay. I'm just kidding. I'm, From I'm Australia. Right. There's some hardware cards you win. like. Yeah. A I showed this off last night when we were doing our test, but I'll try to show it off again here today in the big show. But this is a board I just got from eBay that I ordered like four months ago, but it is a CGA to VGA adapter. So you can see here it says MDA cga ega to vga converter so on the one oh i just dropped it okay. oh, and now it's broken <laughs> uh, it, might, it might need a recap how much? at this point yeah. how so much th this is uh this is where you would plug in your uh, nine pin and then this is your vga output right so i'm hoping to use this on my tandy 1000 to be able to uh capture it record from it and and you know play with that on a, on a modern display what, so, like Cosmic Aliens? Yes, exactly. 
All um, right. So that kind of leads into I've been thinking about my projects that have been I've been sitting on and not knowing what to do with, and so um, the, one of the reasons why I kind of stopped working on Cosmic Aliens is because I felt like it kind of got out of my hands. You know, I had uh, John Strong gave me some assembly code to help make it better, faster, stronger. And then he gave me, he put so much code in there that I don't understand. I kind of lost track of what I could do in the game. I just felt like it wasn't even my game anymore and I didn't know how to move forward. And so I just kind of stopped moving. So now that I have the ability to look at my Tandy 1000, I want to maybe record a couple of videos because I haven't actually done a video of the original game running on the original hardware. So I want to do that. I want to show off the original game again. And then I want to go back to the last version I had where it was in basic, where it was all my code. And then maybe just put some finishing touches on that and I'm just going to release it because it's just been sitting around for years. And I'm just going to say, here it is. This is the game. Uh, more versions will come in the future, <laughs> but I have to release a product. And um, and so hopefully in the near, near, near future, I'll have a final version of the basic version of Cosmic Aliens that I can throw out in the wild for people to enjoy or not. And then I need to, I got a few things I got to do to finish off Kabam. Uh, just a few things, not a lot. And then I just want to get those done because I've had these two lingering basic games that have been like thorns in my side for decades. When they're done, now I'm moving on to assembly. I don't need any more so, crutches or excuses or anything else to hold me back. So yeah. you're going to wind up with two tires and maybe the engine of a Ferrari. Maybe, just... <laughs> maybe, 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 maybe a rusty, maybe a rusty bumper of an old VW bug or something. Um, so yeah, I've had this Tandy 1000 now that I haven't used because it's just. It takes up so much space and the big monitors and stuff. So now hopefully I can get it where I can look at it on my PC and play with it and do a few things and then move on. Tandy 1000 do you have, Stevie? Uh, the original Tandy 1000, the first oh, Tandy oh. 1000, yeah. It's got a 20 meg hard drive in it with controller card. It's got a floppy. Uh, it's got a multi-board with like serial and parallel ports and stuff like that on it. One of those real long multi-IO cards. So uh, when you turn it on, it makes noise, doesn't it? It does, yes. So. Does that version support the Tandy, you know, 16 color graphics? Oh yeah, that's standard. Yeah, even the the first gen yeah. Tandy, it's had the PC those, Junior. Those, yeah. those graphics modes Do are, you have... are unheralded, but at the time, I mean, we were it was uh, it was really nice to have that as a uh, as a feature and the sound as well. Yeah. Uh, I felt like the big the big dog back in the day when my PC friends had nothing and we had right this. right. Games were sold with Tandy graphics. Yeah, yes. that was the selling yeah, Sierra feature. And a bunch of that was the same. Yeah, I kind of look at the Tandy 1000 as the first gaming PC because it had better colors, graphics, and sound than the average PC did. It's uh, funny how they went the PC Junior market, and there was no market. So yeah, they their own market effectively. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do I have the manuals? I might. I'm not sure. It, it was a if good collection. If you don't email me, I'll send you one. Okay. Okay. Um, it came with a lot of stuff, it came with a lot of floppies. Um, and this is one that I think Evan Wright had gotten and, and held on to me for a year. Cause the guy who sold it was in Chicago and he was going to sell it only local pickup. So Evan got it for me and held on to it a year later. I got it. That was a year ago. So it's been like two years in the making of me <laughs> getting to the point where I could use this freaking Tandy 1000. Um, and, and that's kind of what I let's figured. Let me just get it. Let me make a quick video with it. Let me have it where I can record on it and do some things. I think it would be kind of cool, too, to play some of the original Sierra games on the Tandy 1000. Because uh, yeah. was, those were my first experiences playing, like, King's Quest and Space Quest on the, with the Tandy graphics and the Tandy sound. So it would be kind of cool to relive 
some of those memories. The challenge is going to be getting those games into the Tandy because it's not on the network. I'm pretty sure if I really, really, really tried, I could probably find an ISA 10 megabit Ethernet card and fudge DOS to get on my home network, but that's way more work than I want to do. So I'm probably going to do a bunch of uh, floppy swapping to get them all copied onto the hard drive, you know, and to get them in there. Or GoTech. And they say, yeah, I was going to ask the GoTech would might be the way to go on those. If there's a, I don't know if the Tandy drive interface was standard at the time. Mm. Floppy drive. No, no drive wire. The guy, the GoTech's an excellent choice if that's if that's an option. Okay, I have to look into that. Let's we check use that the on the Amiga, group. and it's gold. I mean, you, it, it's a must-have. Okay, and that would support like copy-protected discs too, if they happen to oh, be yeah. that way. It just, it just all you do is uh, put a bunch of the uh, discs, uh, uh, the disc. Well, on the Amiga, it's an ADF file, the disc files. Okay, and then you just you literally uh, use the uh, use the controls on the GoTech to pick the file you want to think to uh, think that's in there, and that's it. Uh, the uh, it would be great for for that sort of setup. Again, I don't know if the Tandy, the floppy drive was a standard PC drive. I think it is. It's a 34-pin connector because I've actually had to juggle a few to get the damn thing to work. It's something to ponder. Uh, yeah. The GoTech's a good choice. Okay. Well, because I have an actual physical floppy on there, and I've also got a tweener machine that's like a Windows 98 box that's also got a 5 and a quarter inch floppy that is on my home network, I could use that to pump you know, real floppies into it and copy them to the hard drive. So, but yeah, GoTech, I'd, I'd definitely look into. It's funny, back in the doll, early doll days where everything was sort of a booter and there was no hard drive installation because I had a Tandy TL and an SL that had no hard drive at all. So right. everything played off the floppy drive. And that's the way they made, that's the way the games came. You know? Right. Well, some of the early Sierra games almost had their own DOS on them where you booted yep. to that disc, but then later on they were all in MS-DOS format and you could copy them to a hard drive. And then it would just do a copy protect. Please insert floppy, and they would just check the floppy for the protection, and then they'd run off the hard drive. Um, yeah, it's great showing people who own PCs how bad their PCs are, though, by playing their exact same floppies on your Tandy One Thousand, and they look so much better. It sounds better too. <laughs> oh yeah, sixteen colors, three voice music. It was it was, it was high a big end. Difference. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and and because I was working at Radio Shack at the time, and we all, always have those store demos too that had like all the Christmas scenes with the multi voice music. I would love to find some of those demos, and get those and run them and record some videos on them because those were like system sellers. I mean, I was a salesperson and I was selling Tandy One Thousands like hotcakes, <laughs> at six percent commission on a twelve hundred dollar system. You know, so um, because those damn demos were gold, man. So. Uh, yeah, and there are, uh, yeah, as Steve Powell was saying, that they do make some um, hard drive adapters that use Compact Flash for hard drives. or some. I actually have one of those. I have an IDE to Compact Flash adapter. And then the thing about the Tandy 1000 is because it was only an 8-bit bus, it was ISA, and IDE is actually a 16-bit bus, they actually have to make a different converter that converts ISA to IDE, and, and, and it's a whole thing. But you can get a, one of those IDE to compact flash adapters to work on an ISA bus system, but it's a it's a kludge. Um, I, I'm lucky I've got a real hard drive on there, so I'll probably just use that until it dies, you know. So, um, yeah, cool, cool, cool. Uh, hey, Stevie, uh, hey yeah. Stevie, what path were you going to take when with your assembly language? I know we started the videos there, and uh, and but I don't know if you were going to 
use this book here, the one I'm holding up, or are you going to go? No, I'm not going to. I'm not going to do that book for a couple of reasons because I'm going to do a video series on it, and I know um, William Barden has been kind of copyright conscious about those. He's asked for his book to be taken off archives and stuff, so I don't want to contribute to any distress that may cause him. So I'm going to be using the Don and Kurt Emin book that I have. I have the physical copy and I've got the digital copy, and uh, I'll be and that one's really game centric. Yeah, so that one's, gonna, if you're writing games, it's definitely yeah. actually it's an so easier one. So I'm going to be basing my stuff off of that. Um, so I'm hoping to get that, that started. Also, that book that again? is the. Ed- I'm sorry. Uh, it's the Don and Kurt. Kurt and Don, Kurt and Don Inman. Yeah. Yeah. The problem with that book too is it's very specifically the cartridge version of Ed Tasm which really kind of limits you in this day and age. Right, but I'm sure you could work around it with Disc Edtasm or whatever, or even Robert Galt Edtasm. Um, so I'm, that's not going to be my first um, thing I might do. I might do that one offline and just go through some of the lessons as well, but I'm looking for more of a fast-tracking um, thing. It's on the Color Computer Archive, Manny. If you look for... Um, uh, let me find the uh, Let me find the book just to show it off, and you can search for it. Yeah, because back in the day when I, when I first started doing semi-language graphics, it was much easier oh. to learn from that book than Barton. Oh, there you go. go yep. Okay. I know what you're talking about now. Thank yeah. you. So assembly language graphics for the TR-80 color computer, Don Inman, Kurt Inman. And um, this is on the color computer archive if you search for it. Did you get that on eBay? Uh, I Somebody did, and they sent it to me. Oh, Okay. Just noticed the eBay bookmark sticking out on the top of it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Dan I, it's Dan Loyal sent that to me. Eight hundred dollars if you buy it on eBay. Yeah. Bargain so, at half the price. Yeah. No, this one's in really good shape. And then, um, and then David Lord um, sacrificed his physical copy and scanned it to upload to the archive. So we have a we have a scanned version of this now too. This was this is somewhat hard to find in the wild. This book right now. Who, so. who wrote that book? Kurt and Don Inman. No relation come, to Rob. What, why don't no relation you say to Rob Inman? The same way. <laughs> what was the question? Why don't you say their name the same way? Don Inman and Kurt Inman? It sounds the Inman. same to me. Oh, Inman. Inman. Oh, I see what you're saying. <laughs> okay. Sorry about that. Unencourage him. A little slow, run. <laughs> yes. Uh, anyway. What happened to your NASA display there, uh, Ron? It disappeared. Your, your oh, uh, meatball disappeared. It, it got warm in here. Mm. Ah. <laughs> All right. Have we have we covered everything that we need to cover today? Are we are ready to put a fork in this week's show. I think it's. I think it's been well forked. All right. So <laughs> we are going to do that. I do. I do have a. I'd have another topic, panel topic, but we're already going on. Um, Three hours. Three hours, yeah. So we have, we'll have we save a panel uh, topic for another week. So before we go, to play us out, how about a little bit more of Comrade Games, huh? <laughs> and now, party-approved Coco Thoughts with Comrade <laughs> Games. In Soviet Russia, Tetris Block Drop You! This concludes another episode of Coco Talk, the world's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer. For all things Coco Talk, visit us on the web at cocotalk.live.
We'd love to hear from you. Send feedback, suggestions, even segments via email to CocoTalk at CocoTalk.live. CocoTalk is rocking the 8-bit world, keeping the tandy flame alive. We may be mocked, but we'll never stop, because CocoTalk is rocking the 8-bit world. Consider supporting the show with a purchase of merchandise from our retro swag shop at 8bit256.com. If you'd like to become a patron of the show, click the Patreon link at our website at CocoTalk.live. Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world, keeping the tiny flame alive. We may be mocked, but we'll never stop, because Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world. Coco Talk would not exist without the community, its cast, crew, and contributors. Thanks go to Curtis Boyle, David Ladd, Mark Overholzer, Grant Leedy, Bruce Moore, Nick Marentes, Rondell Vaux, Rick Adams, Jason Riker, Richard Lorbieski, Jim Brain, Tom C., Rob Inman, Mark Bosley, Brian Joyce, Ken Riker, David O'Connor, Brian Weasler, Terry Steggy, Nick Morota, John Strong, and many more, especially to Steve Bjork for production suggestions and James Diffendaffer for making my head explode. Please help support the Coco community by visiting some of its various contributors. A list of resources is available at imacoconut.com. That's I-M-A-C-O-C-O-N-U-T.com. The Coco Talk theme song is copyright 2008 by D. Bruce Moore and Greg Sheeler. Mixed, mastered, and produced by D. Bruce Moore. Trainwreck is over, and we welcome you to the last surviving car. Join us in Zoom for Coco Talk Caboose, a recap of today's show. Coco- All right, well, there was something I forgot to mention while we're done, so we're not quite done yet. We're nearly <laughs> done. It's like nearly headless Nick. Nearly headless Nick. How can anyone be nearly headless? All right. So we are nearly ready to put a fork in this one. So Curtis Boyle, why don't you say what you were going to say, and then I'm going to say what I'm going to say. Oh, I was just going to say if if there's any plans to have a live gameplay like we sometimes do after announcing the new game for the week, either tonight or tomorrow, that people can tune into. Is there any plans for one for Crystal City? That's a great question. Would anybody like to do a live shared gaming experience tonight playing Crystal City? Nick Morota, anyone else? Jen, Jen, Jason, the Coco Man? Sure I, I will be busy. Load. What was that, Mark B? I'm still just trying to get the game to load. Ah. <laughs> All right. Well, what I'm going to say is this, and I think I mentioned this in our private planning channel earlier, too, is that uh, we, when we do our nighttime stuff, we typically don't use Zoom. But I want to make sure that we don't use Zoom tonight because I've um, set up a meeting code for the Florida Retro Club to have a virtual meeting tonight. And I'm not sure if I, if we tried to meet while they met, even though they've got a different meeting code, I don't know if Zoom's going to handle that. So we typically use Discord. So if we're going to do it, just make sure we do it in Discord and not on Zoom. 
Um, so that's, I guess, to be determined. So I'm not sure if Mark B wants to stream and can continue to crash test his computer and you know, we'll get together. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say I probably would like to play, quote unquote, something. I'm not sure I want to play that game. I've got a lot of other stuff I want to try and play with. And, you know, I, I got like my Sega Genesis I'm trying to get going. And I got that to boot. I've got this Tandy 1000 thing I want to get going. I've got my MC10 I'm trying to tweak to get the picture to clear up. So maybe I'll tinker while we live something tonight if you guys are up for that I'm, I'm i'm potentially up for that um not necessarily ready to jump into playing that particular game but i've got other projects like i wouldn't mind catching up on so i would say strong likelihood curtis okay. um the thing i wanted to uh, mention was that i'm in the process now of working on the latest glenside color computer newsletter coco 123 and while I do have a good amount of content submitted to me already, this is going to be a pretty robust issue as far as this newsletter has gone. Uh, if anybody has anything they would like to add to the newsletter, you've got uh, till next weekend or even sooner to get it to me. So sub send me some content, a program listing, or even a news article. If there's something that needs to make its way into the news, just make me aware of it because we do try to put news in the newsletter, ironically. Um, I've, got, I've got a content from, from Alan Murphy's in there. I've got uh, another person from the mailing list send me a nice little uh, program. You're going to like this one, Curtis. He has written a program that he's benchmarking on different systems and operating systems. So he's got stuff written in fourth and in basic, and he's tried it on different 8-bit systems, and he's got something in basic 09 versus deck B. So it's a really cool thing he's done where he's benchmarked this program on different 8-bit systems in different languages. And, um, and he actually cool. sent me a revision to it after he found out about the tweaks you did to basic 09. So um, that's going to be a kind of a cool article. His name is Stephen Pereira or something. He sent me that from the okay, mailing yep, list. I've heard the name before. Yeah. So there's going to be some good content coming in. This is going to be a, a chalk-filled newsletter. Did but you take would, ads? Um, well, uh, speaking of taking ads, I wanted to get an ad for the uh, Crikey cable in there. And so, I, uh, Ken Reichert, if you're out there, if you could get me a nice full-page ad, I can run all of Coco Man's products on one page. I do want to. I do want to put in an ad for Rally SG. So, Nick Morentes, if you can remember, send me a nice full-page uh, gr uh, promotional graphic for that. I'll throw that in there. Who, I'm Michael yep. Pitsley. How can we be able to get a copy of the newsletter once complete? Um, you can get it from the Glenside Color Computer website, glensideccc.com. Click on Documents, go to Newsletters, and you can see all the past and present newsletters there. If you're on the mailing list, we typically, I, when, when it's ready to go out, I also post it on Facebook. I post it on the news uh, the news group, Coco News Feed, uh, mail list, whatever it's called. Um, and if you're a subscriber on Tandy List, you'll also get notified that it's come out. So we do try to... Um, yeah, I think we just need like, to get Mark Overholz to send it to all the Apple people, and then we'll get Aaron to send it to all the Amiga people. And yeah, it's a digital yeah. publication, so it's PDF, and it's yeah. it's it's slowly getting prettier. And speaking of digital publications, I know that the the new Rainbow Magazine is is in the works too. And and Paul Thayer, who's very um, digital publishing inclined, is working on that right now. Yep, he's got a good mock-up so far. Um, yep, yep, yep. So anyway, so yeah, just a last-minute call for submissions, contributions, and ideas and content for the latest uh, Coco newsletter. Uh, anybody else parting thoughts, final thoughts? Anyone, Ken's asking anyone? when the deadline is. I need it. Be, I need it soon, Ken. A couple of days, if you can, because I'm. I'm. Okay. We're going to try to drop this by next weekend. Whatever Get the Fletcher on it. Yeah. Whatever. Um. There's. I think there's a meeting Thursday, a Glenside meeting Thursday. So we're going to have some final things. I'm sorry, Brian Schubring. What are you holding up there? Anything? 
Okay, never mind. Um, so, so we we're probably gonna. I can't see it. your digital background screwing up whatever you're holding up there. Um, so yeah, before next weekend, hopefully by midweek uh, at the latest to be safe. Hey, uh, do you know if um, Comrade Gimes is going to have some continuing? <laughs> um, we'll have to wait and see, won't we? Yeah. You know what? Um, Tune in next week. David O'Connor, yeah. what are you holding up there? You're holding up a cassette tape. Oh, I was just going to say, when uh, next time Rick Adams is on the on the show, we've got, well, I'll, I'll do an update on the uh, <laughs> the cassettes he sent me, the Temple of Rum cassette. Okay. So, uh, oh, there you go. Brian's found the electronics training binder book. Look at that. Three ring binder. This is fancy schmancy stuff here. Yeah, it's got section 11 and 12 from the uh, commercial electronics course um, that include for the color computer. I actually found most of the documentation. Oh, wow. Yeah, we should definitely get that scanned in. That's uh -huh. cool. It goes through all of the um, stuff about the disk drive and uh, color bug. Who remembers color bug? Not I. I remember Z bug, but not color bug. It's it's similar. That's uh, the color bug is what NRI put together for assembly language for the uh, color computer three training. Okay. So is this this whole thing this this kit that you've got here is this um like say somebody wants to get in and, and and design their own electronics to plug into the cartridge port or something and access it is this is this a kit that teaches you how to do all that is it? Pretty much, yeah. Um, the the school went out of business in the late nineties. Um, is uh, NRI schools out of Washington D.C. and uh, but you could get the kit, you know, for doing different types of courses like building a TV, building a radio, doing all sorts of different building different things, and it furthered your education in how things work electrically, electronically, uh, TV, mm. audio and such in this case here mm -hmm. they had the um for the uh, color computer in this particular kit that is neat so mm -hmm. yeah we're missing that now in our education you know you got people who want to go straight to college and take on you know forty thousand dollars in debt and not be able to get a job and then there was a time when trades were more prevalent and I, I think that is missing an emphasis on trades and and tangible skills that uh, you know, are still needed that aren't really being the, the training is not being offered. I mean, when I was a kid, my dad was in, he was in the pipe fitters union and he learned how to do air conditioning and plumbing and welding and, and carpentry. And he learned like a multiple of skills that have been handy for him his whole life. And he got that, all that stuff right out of high school. You know, we don't have like those trade things and learning tactile skills anymore it's like oh i'm going to be an engineer or i'm going to be a software designer or i'm going to you know get in the medical field but there's so many things that if people learn how to do it they could get work and they'd have some skills and mm -hmm. you know we're, we're missing that you know stem mm. stem is not going to be for every kid no. not every that's not going to work so no. <laughs> there's definitely a place for the wood shop and the auto shop and drafting and all of which i actually took <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. unfortunately when i went when I went to school, trades was where the people who didn't have the strongest academic went. That's what the teachers did. If you were really, really smart, you go to university and get your whatever. Mm -hmm. And trades was for those who, which is wrong. It's completely like 
Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's uh, I disagree in a way. It's, you, you have to play towards your strengths. It's good to learn that stuff, but also doing the trades. You know, basically teach a man how to fish. He can feed his family. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Trades are more. Uh, trade trades are more. But, uh, but we don't like fish. <laughs> <laughs> trades are more from, from outsourcing. Hamburgers. Yeah. I was in the sign business, and I I learned how to. Uh, I was uh, um, learning how to do paint signs. My father, he was a journeyman, and then I had to become one. And while you're doing that, you learned how to do electrical, um, work with plastic. Uh, I did welding. I learned how to dig holes. <laughs> put Unfortunately, signs in holes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So, uh, hey, that I'm not is saying that's how I've gone. I'm saying that's what we were kind of. Yeah. That that there there is there is a kind of a mentality about that is that you know trades are for people who are good with their hands and not with their head and it's just not yes. true. You have to be. I'm sorry. You're going to say something, Rick? Yeah, I was going to say. Unfortunately, electronics are turning into recent calculators where there's a keyboard a chip on board and a display and there's not really much you can do in there yeah, component wise we're, we're a coco yeah. too you could pack the living out of that thing yeah you could make yeah. it into anything you wanted it to be uh, and that's gone now and what are you going to do if you're a yeah, kid you know and that's the thing like when you used a computer back in the day it was a mystery it wasn't user friendly you had to figure things out and you had to invest your your mental energy into learning what to do with the machine now everything's so user friendly and touchscreen and blah 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 nobody cares about the mystery behind the uh this the machine anymore it's just it's and, uh, we, th- and we throw well, them listen. away you know so. are you guys telling me i shouldn't do my getting started ui <laughs> oh no no <laughs> 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 no the way the world is now is that you have to do your ui yeah. you guys know i've made i've made most of you i say please read the manual yes. not because i'm being mean i want you to help me make sure that the manual is good absolutely no, look, we had and a, stevie we, did you read our kens today of a guy that you know, is younger than our kids who was taking apart a cocoa and trying yeah, to figure and trying yeah. to clean it. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. And he's found yeah. something he can work on at last. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's great. The too long didn't read generation isn't completely hopeless. No, that's good. That's good. I do like Ken's well, quote in the chat here too. He said, "Give a man a fire and he's warm for a day. Set a man on fire and he's warm for the rest of his life." <laughs> <laughs> and if and if and he if he needs a fire, give him Mr. Dave. So <laughs> uh, when I left high school, I, I actually left high school to uh, to do a trade. You know, my my yeah. official qualification is radio tradesman. And, I uh, um, that's not it. It's not even a thing anymore. Yeah. Radio tradesman isn't even. No. They don't even offer that course anymore but it was it was invaluable for me because i learned you know ground level through whole electronics and how to you know get in get your hands dirty and, and right. design and build your own gear I, I love it i still do it now absolutely absolutely well the cool thing about pcs when, like they came, when pcs came out um there was so much software that if you wanted to do something, there was usually a program that you just had to find and use it. And um, back in the day, you couldn't find anything to do anything because you had, invent, you had to invent it. Uh, yeah. You either made it or yeah. 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 or you copied, on, you copied it from somebody. And, <laughs> and nowadays, it's a bunch of proprietary classes and things that you don't have yeah. access to. And you would need a team of 14 people just to put together a fairly simple game. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wait for next month's rainbow. Hey, Stevie? Yeah. 
Um, James Jones actually asked a question. I don't think you addressed it. Will you ever yeah. do an evening programming session? We could. We could. I don't know about tonight, but yeah. This is where, and while we're while we're this is the end of the show, we're reminding and asking for things. Um, I need to put out a call for two. We're, I would like to get a few people who are maybe interested in being backup streamers for the show because right now we only have one backup and it's Mark B. I would like to have another backup or two. If you're interested in doing that, if you're interested in doing that, um, contact me and we can go over the details. And um, because at that point, like even tonight, let's say I get a food coma, I don't feel like doing anything. Mark B right now can stream a show. So if you guys decide you want to spin up a show after hours, we can. If we have a few more people doing that, even if I'm not interested in it personally, we have somebody else who can stream it. We can have any show we want any evening as long as we have the person who can press the button and make it happen. And we got a few people to to do the content. But yeah, I, I would I did like those few late night coding sessions that we did where it's kind of a group thing. That was kind of fun. Um, so yeah, all I'm, I'm putting out a public call for that. If you're interested and available, we can get into the specifics as far as technology and bandwidth and software. Um, don't need to make that a detailed discussion now, but so reach out. All right. Uh, you guys ready to press the button? Yep. All right. So yeah, we, yes. will, we will most likely have some type of random evening session. What is that? Uh, Michael Furman. That it's is just his, the USB adapter. USB to serial. RS232 USB. Uh, is there, is there any uh, TTL in there? Uh, inside there is ESP, but ESP, TTL, a real time clock, RS two thirty two, drive wire, drive wire, drive wire, TTL, TTL. All right, All right. Uh, co comrade Gimes says, press the button. Say goodbye, everybody. Press the button, Frank. Hey boy, everybody. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs>